Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. We're back! Yay! Hooray! And today we are joined by our very, very special guest, Mr. Will Power is joining us today. Hello! Hello, everyone. Good to be here. How are you? <laughs> are you doing good, man? Uh, well, as good as one can be in the... Uh current climate uh yeah we're just a bit of a chat that's been about a year since we've seen each other in person i think uh yeah super quiz cup uh four i think it was was it four or yeah. three uh, I, yeah four it was four wasn't it yeah i think it probably was yeah yeah and uh it's a it's a good thing rich's employer hasn't stolen that idea and run with it to like <laughs> thousands and thousands <laughs> of fans and viewers <laughs> it's uh, no yeah so <laughs> So today we are going to be doing part six of the formation of the NWO series. We have got to our second pay-per-view. We're going to be doing the WCW Great American Bash 1996. So this is our 86th numbered podcast, okay? But we've also done 14 bonus podcasts. So that means that this is the 100th podcast we are ever going to upload. How awesome is that? Whoa. They said it would never last. (laughs) <laughs> we honestly, i think our aim to start with was 30 like yeah that's pretty good <laughs> oh yeah it's lovely to have you on board will so uh what kind of uh early memories have you got of this sort of period of wcw um i'll be honest with you i didn't really start getting into wrestling until 99 so uh sure i would have been this 96 i just think of euro 96 uh <laughs> getting into Oasis. Gascoigne's goal over like over over Colin Hendry, just flicking it over. Yeah. And just smacking it yeah. in. What a goal. Can we just review that instead? We'll just review Euro ninety six. <laughs> I mean it's been a bit weird couple of weeks. I am kind of up for that, if I'm honest. <laughs> the celebration with the water bottle and everything. Like, yeah, yeah. The dentist chair. <laughs> the dentist chair. So um it's it's uh you must have gone back and watched some WCW from this period. Well, no? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've I've um I've Okay. I sort of once I got into wrestling, we just me and my brother, we would now this is what you did before the WWE network. We would go to boot fairs and we would just buy up all the wrestling VHSs, which you could usually get for like a few quid. That's what you did before the network. Um and we sort of uh we, we got ri- we were more into the new generation stuff. Uh um, the new generation pay per views. Because uh, a bit also back then, I don't think people realised uh, when WWE and WCW were still around, there was a little bit of a football team mentality to it, where it's like we didn't watch WCW because we were WWE Definitely, fans. Yeah, um, I don't think wrestling fans are like that so much anymore. Uh, but yeah, um, WCW, I sort of well, well, to an extent with AEW, we are with AEW we are you see so many people online it's like oh, AEW WWE sucks I don't watch WWE now I watch AEW and then you've got all the WWE guys going AEW's just a, a knockoff of all of our our car stuffs can yeah. confirm they definitely exist it's less so I think than like the the early, late 90s mentality of like this is my team this is who I support <laughs> I'm Vince only well that's it I mean um yeah you did there was a weird sort of loyalty to uh to them I, although I was I was into ECW when ECW was still around because I had like a very strange friend of my mum's who who was into tape trading <laughs> and could get me a- ECW tapes. Oh, uh, that's a fucking awesome I looked, friend. I looked yeah. at them as like the WWE's feeder league 
like <laughs> their academy. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they had the little jaunts on Raw and stuff, so it basically ended up not end up being that. But there's uh there's not many ECW guys in WCW at this point, but we know a lot of feed into it. But um, yeah, it's how much from '96 have you seen? Do you, have you seen like the actual formation of things before? Have you seen this pay per view before? Um, weirdly enough, I have seen. I had already seen two matches off of this pay per view. Um, okay. I'll, I'll get. I'll, I'll explain when we get to them. Uh, of course, it was <laughs> okay. John Tenter, and uh, yeah. Um, of course, it was Sharky yeah. for the win. Gotta love it. Uh, oh, with my notepad scribbling down all the moves and uh, <laughs> all the moves. Yeah, <laughs> the, the big club to the back. Um, oh, unrelated and a big story. Big club to the back and a big club to the back. <laughs> I know, knowing yeah. how to do a big club to the back. I and I don't want to turn this into a brag, but I saved <laughs> someone's life with that last week. It's a true story. So. <laughs> Shoot bit now. I work as a primary school teacher, and there's a very scary moment where it was the kids were having their school dinners. I was just keeping an eye on them while the lady usually does it had popped out, and a kid in my class started choking on their food. So I pat, I quickly, I gave her the clubs to the, I gave her like a few pats on the back, and luckily the food went out, and she was all right. You beat one of your children. <laughs> also, well, that was a weird thing. While I was doing it, I was like, oh my God, this is like the one thing you never can do. <laughs> but luckily, because I've been taught and trained how to sort of hit people but not hurt them quite hard, sure. my, my training in clubbing people on the back paid off and saved uh, someone's life. So, Man, pro wrestling has all the uses <laughs> in the world, isn't it? So yeah. Uh, sod third first aid course. Just get yourself to a wrestling school, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, well, we'll Good add it. We'll add it to the gimmick list. <laughs> Willpower, the purveyor of flamboyance and fury, and lifesaver. Yeah, <laughs> and I drew your logo. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I love that's that. All right. yeah, that's fine. Every time I tweet anything with that image, now Murder <laughs> Clown likes it on Twitter. So I'm like, yeah, it's got us over with him at least. Oh, he... oh, Murder Clan replied to me on Twitter earlier this week as well <laughs> oh, from the Women's Survivor Series match where they all moved out of the way as they did the suplex to the outside. I said they needed Murder Clown to catch them and he just replied, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> a man of many words. He, yeah, he's he's great. He's a uh, really big... And it's nice to see, like, the. I like seeing when you guys do the redone logos where you move the faces around. That was always a... Uh, I like seeing that. <laughs> It's good fun, man. I think it's going to be a gimmick I'm going to use for all the narratives we do yeah. in the future. So, yeah. so, we are on the 16th of June, 1996. Obviously, it's World Championship Wrestling WCW. We are on pay-per-view from Baltimore, Maryland, USA. Our capacity is 9,000. I wouldn't say this arena is packed, but it's, it's a lively crowd. Um, it's getting the bigger attendances, isn't it? In comparison to Slamboree. Yeah. They're starting to make the change. Obviously, the switch over to two hours on TNT. But more importantly, the promotional poster for this event, where the whole gimmick tagline for this show is turns up the heat. And the picture is Mean Gene holding a steak in the shape of WCW. And in the background, <laughs> oh, wow. Bobby Heenan's barbecuing and is on fire. <laughs> I missed this. Yeah, he look. Yeah, I, I saw that on Google. He looks. It, it's got a real serial killer sort of vibe to it. This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, mean, mean Gene has a very sort of weird, sinister look on his face while he's holding this WCW made of meat. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, interesting poster so, design. 
during these nitros, we've been treated to four different commentators every show. We've had um, Larry Zabisco, Tony Schiavone, Eric Bischoff, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. But for the two pay-per-views, we only get Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes for the whole show. And this is quite a decent job for Dusty, isn't it? You turn up once a month, do some talking, I'd say talking, on a pay-per-view, and then you get to bugger off for a month and then come back. Mm. Was he a- quite honestly say that all my notes are just dusty quotes? <laughs> <laughs> was he the booker at this? No, he wasn't booking at this point. It was Bischoff, wasn't it? Uh, it was Bischoff taking over from I think it was Sullivan. Oh, I see, I see. Hence, some of the booking later on in this show. <laughs> I liked at the beginning his tribute to uh, Dick Murdoch. Uh, I missed this completely. So they they sort of say, "Oh, uh, you you've tagged part in a Dick Murdoch. He sadly passed away at the weekend." And oh, does. Yeah. Dusty Rhodes says, oh, yeah. And then he does a proper, anyway, back to the... (laughs) (laughs) He's more concerned later when Eric Bischoff gets hurt than he is about... (laughs) He's more sad about that. Like, at least he leaves his position and goes to check on him. We should probably throw Uh, a caveat in here that I've had to delay recording this podcast for the past two weeks. So you guys have been very, very good and patient with me. But we did watch this about three weeks ago at this point. Yeah, yeah. Apologies for that. So I might miss a few things, and my memory's not so great, especially my short-term memory. You know. <laughs> ah, that's all right. We got Wikipedia. We'll be fine. Oh, Absolutely. quick quiz question: Can you guys tell me what was the UK number one in the charts the week this show came out? Did I look this up? What was it June uh, June the sixteenth, nineteen ninety six? That's uh, it. In America or the UK? Do you say in in the uh, UK? The UK in 1996. I'm going to have a punt of Barbie Girl by Aqua. I was well, I think that's a bit too early, but I might be wrong there. I'm going to go with a Take That song. Uh, it is Killing Me Softly by the Fugees. Oh, ah. Actually, a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad one. Uh, Mysterious Girl by Peter Andre was number two. <laughs> um, Three Lions was number four. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, to be fair, yeah, we should have known Three Lions would be up there. You know, Euros and everything. Anyway, so we've got the light blue ring apron with the black ropes and the yellow t- uh, red turnbuckles with the big WCW yellow logo in the middle that looks like almost like an eyesight on a gun or something. It's, um, it's a bit clashy, this ring, don't you think? That's all right. You know, <laughs> I'm just so happy to see a crowd, you know, that isn't yeah. <laughs> a load of video monitors. That, well, I can see people's... I, I like seeing the crowd's, like, legs and arms, you know? <laughs> I realise how much I've missed that. I, I don't know about you. I haven't actually watched a lot of like the modern product in lockdown because I, I just can't be getting with wrestling without crowds. Uh, I watched Survivor Series. That's I. I stayed up to watch that live because I started thinking to myself, "Ah, this might be worth a punt," and instantly, instantly regretted because, like you said, without fans and i know like with the taker farewell there was no way they could have done it going it's 30 years but we can't do it because there's no fans but i mean imagine the pop for henry godwin <laughs> had there been fans <laughs> that we were denied yeah was, was henry was YouTube, henry godwin the one who was that? midian yes ah. and then all he well he no, had no, the, um, no 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 no, 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 no that's the other one that's phineas godwin isn't it <laughs> one of them, I only say it because the one who was one Midian had the pot- is now a chef, like a really like um at, at like a really like fine dining restaurant. He's one of those like 
really top fancy chefs now, Midian, which I think, yeah, fair play. Because <laughs> Midian, Midian was Dennis Knight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So who's the one that turned up on the show? <laughs> both of them. Oh, both were of they them both did. there? <laughs> yeah, both shit, the Godwins. Okay. I streamed this live. I really wasn't paying attention. Anyway, so <laughs> let's move on. So we open uh, with the four two-camera promos. My team's ready. Flair and Anderson, the coach is ready. I hope those two pigskin buffoons are ready. And Savage, you think you're going to get your hands on me? You're badly mistaken. You're not going to tear me apart. I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'm not worried. Oh, yeah. What you Giant, you've choke slam me through tables, you've choke slam me in the ring. But you know what? I'm still standing here because I'm the total package. You're gonna find out why. I've already got two titles, and I'm coming after yours. Lex Luger, don't bother looking up the definition of the giant in the dictionary, because you're gonna feel it firsthand with the choke slam. <laughs> Heenan is an absolute treat here, but he always is. We get a beautiful, sparkly transition to Macho, Mongo, and Kevin Green putting their shit over. Uh, Flair's gonna take no prisoners tonight, accompanied by Arn, Liz, and Woman. Lex tries to say choke slammed a few times <laughs> and boasts about his ugly fucking TV belt. And then we get Giant, <laughs> along with known racist Jimmy Hart, saying to Lex, Don't bother looking up the definition of giant in the dictionary. I'm like, I- I'm not sure Lex owns a dictionary, let <laughs> alone knows how to use it. But uh, then we get this draw on effect Great American Bash logo. And it looks like someone has learned how to use paint for the first time. It's, uh, it- it's not. Not the greatest intro. Like I like the silly to camera promos, but it feels like they're rushing through and they're just trying to get all their gimmicks out there as soon as possible. Like, how did you guys find this opening sequence? Well, you say boring, very dull. <laughs> well, hang on. You say he doesn't have a dictionary, but I think you'll find he has a fine lexicon. Thank you. Oh, look at that! There we go. <laughs> he bloody doesn't get Log off now. <laughs> We cut into the arena and some rather minimal spooty pyro compared to Nitro, at least. Like, I was disappointed. This is WCW. Surely we're meant to have, you know, all Ted Turner's money spent on, like, the pyro for the beginning of the show, right? But again, I'm not wowed. I'm not wowed by pyro. I'm wowed by, oh my God, people. And they're stood close to each other. (laughs) You know, that's what it was impressing me at the start of this. I saw something on Twitter earlier today where Wrestle Travel was like, "What do you think should be the main event of WrestleMania 37?" And some bloke from Australia said, "I don't care. Why don't you just have it here, where you can have a paying fan base and just a sold-out arena?" Again. I was just saying that basically there. that at Wrestle. There you go. You're I'm back. You're back. You're back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just technical oh, problems. With COVID. Yay. <laughs> I was saying that basically um, Wrestle Traveller tweeted out what do you want to see as the main event of WrestleMania 37? Right. And some bloke from Australia replied saying, I don't care, but why don't you just hold it here with a fully paying crowd who can actually stand next to each other? Too and true. Also, Too true. Can, can you do that in they've Australia? Had, they've, so, they've had a £52,000 rugby game with everyone next to each other drinking beers because unsurprisingly, over in Australia and New Zealand, they did this. Sorry, we just, just can't do anything. So we'll get rid of it and um, we'll just get on in seven months' time. And yeah, they had a 52,000 capacity stadium full of people for a rugby match. Damn. Didn't know they'd wow. done that. That's pretty awesome. So, um... And so also, it means WrestleMania would be an, an appropriate hour. Oh, for, oh, wait. No, for us, it'd be terrible. It'd be like eight in the morning or something. 
Yeah. It's already terrible. For you, that would be terrible. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm not watching it at eight in the morning. This is late night beers in sort of thing. It's WrestleMania, dude. I'm not watching it in the morning, you fucking weirdo. I don't My know. My child will be at school. <laughs> I like a bit of morning drinking. You only get to do it once a year, which of course is Christmas. <laughs> but... I do, when it's Christmas, I do rather enjoy that, oh my gosh, we're getting a drink in the morning and it's, and it's socially acceptable. Uh, so yeah, Dude, I would, I would relish since, a, uh... Since 97, I've been staying up to 1am <laughs> to watch Raw and Smackdown and whatever and pay-per-views. No, it has to be late night, man. It's wrestling. Of course it does. Anyway, so someone starts talking as we come into the arena and I'm immediately going, is it Bischoff? Is it Shavoni? <laughs> is it Bischoff? Is it Shavoni? I honestly cannot tell the difference between the two just me like come on someone chime in uh no, no i i must admit i i like tony Schiavone. i think he's i i almost admire him because like whatever they served up in wcw and if like as you said before in 99 and 2000 the stuff they were serving up and he would have to then go on the air often with no preparation because like no one had filled him in and just try and make it make sense for you the viewer at home and I think for that, he's he's an incredible commentator, you know, <laughs> like, trying to somehow get those storylines over. Uh, yeah, so I've got a lot of time for Shivani. I think he, I can't say his name properly, but I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's a really good commentator. We've definitely established that no one seems to be able to say his name properly. Like I've been paying attention to him on AEW recently, and he always says Tony Shivoni. So that's how I've been saying it now, but I'm not even convinced that's correct, if I'm honest. No, it's, I think I'm always a sh- I'm always a Shivani. That's for me, <laughs> Tony Shivani. It sounds yeah. too British. <laughs> anyway, so Tony Shivani welcomes us to the show. This is where the big boys play, and this is where the summertime kicks off. Welcome everyone live to Baltimore, the Euro Arena, the Baltimore Arena. <laughs> he stumbles over his words a little bit, and to the Great American Bash. With the Superstars World Championship Wrestling, we take you right now to the pre-sensation of colours. He says the wrong words. <laughs> the playing of our national anthem. And so, I, um, I skip this, I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you can't skip these bits. They're the best. Uh, uh, so I figured out why WF intros at this time are better than WCW's, right? WF intros put the story over. WCW just kind of welcome you to the show and expect you to know what's happening. Yeah, it's so classic WCW from the time though, because they didn't understand storytelling to an extent. They relied purely on Flair and Sting to be their story for ten years prior to this. Sure. And now they're starting to become more in tune with what the teenage, like the the eighteen to thirty five demographic wants on TNT. So it's they know that they're only playing to their fan base. They don't have that mass appeal that someone's going to go, oh, yeah, I definitely want to watch Lex Luger and his mullet. We definitely want to have a <laughs> lovely time. So there's no point in trying to build up the storylines because people would have bought it based on the story. And are you telling me the video package at the beginning with you know Mongo and Kevin Green doesn't get buy rates? They've got NFL stars. That's what they're selling this pay-per-view on. They're, they're, they're making it kind of clear if you've watched the shows leading into it like the yeah we're still doing these stories at least we're going to pay them off tonight but if this is vince doing the intro he's going tonight stone cold steve austin and bret hart will go to war for the devastation of the he'll say lots of 
three, four syllable well, words that, and get that over, you know? There weren't any video packages for any of the matches or even, even like the main event. There were, there were I, I don't, yeah. maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I didn't see any, any video packages or any, oh, last week on Nitro, there was for any of the matches, really. So, no, yeah. I don't think there's a single one all night. Nah, nah, which is odd because I know WWF were doing them at the time. And had been doing them <laughs> since the eighties, so it's just yeah. It seems odd that like Bischoff is heralded as this guy that came along and created all these new stories and these new kind of you know people fighting backstage. No one's ever done that before, which they definitely had. Um, but yeah. it's, it's just kind of odd that he uh, these these quite simplistic things of getting his stories over. They're not really doing. I don't know why it's not happening almost because you say there's definitely other places doing it already. But even the NWA and stuff were doing bits of that at least. But yeah. But, they're using Mean Gene. That that's, yeah, that's the, maybe that the, is where the they absolutely rinse him dry. And his phone line. He he is the video. <laughs> <laughs> so Sergeant Craig Pittman in full soldier gear walks out of the American flag over his belly button. You know, as they hold it, it looks really lovely. Um, they play the American national anthem. Blah 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 blah. At least there's no. Kind of... I hope they've ribbed him and put a really heavy pole on the flag. <laughs> so Pittman's standing going, can't drop it, can't drop it. <laughs> So Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes, blah, blah, welcome us to the show. Uh, immediately puts over the NFL lovely lads versus two of the four horsemen. Uh, they rock- Dusty's first quote of the day. <laughs> it's a bunch of crazed dogs, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dusty. We'll have more conversations about Dusty as we go along. Let's just get into it. And, and his classic red jacket that he hadn't taken off for seven years. I swear he's wearing the Michael Jackson red jacket, but like <laughs> <laughs> extra, extra large, you know? <laughs> Uh, they run down the card and tell us Dick Mur- to do the Dick Murdoch tribute thing that you talked about earlier. And we come straight into our opening match. <laughs> Special stipulation, there must be a winner. And I'm like, they did not watch WCW in 2000. <laughs> 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 so the opening match is the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott versus... <clears throat> Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. <laughs> do you get? Do you know this gimmick, Will? Uh so whose gimmick? So one of them's called Fire, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he wears fiery onesie thing. Well, actually, he's called and Norton. Other... <laughs> and no, no, the other one's called Ice. Yeah. And so they're Fire and Ice. But hang on a minute. It? Those are opposites. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but but do you get it, though? It'll never work. <laughs> <laughs> but do you get it? Oh, Because well, one's Fire and one's Ice, and so I... they're called Fire and Ice. <laughs> oh, you have to draw me a diagram. Sorry. <laughs> And the best thing about this whole thing to add on to this gimmick, but one of them's fire and one of them's ice. And then Dusty's like, this is pure power of fire and ice against electricity, if you will, <laughs> of the Steiner brothers. <laughs> fire versus ice versus electricity. This is disaster. That's Mortal That's Kombat, isn't it? Basically. It's so much fun. I love this opening. So yeah. good. So all four of these lads uh, have really heavily featured on the last few Nitros we've done, but there's been no fucking build-up to this match, like, at all, as far as I'm aware. There's only one mention on a previous Nitro <laughs> when you've got fire, you know, one of them's called fire, and one of them's called ice. Yeah. So hang on, you get hang on. All this, there must be a winner. I, just, from my standpoint, I thought, oh, they must have had a few matches on TV that, like, ended in Countout or DQ or the the illegal man getting pinned and then the re- reverse. Like, that would make sense to me. And then you have a, yeah, there yeah. must be a winner match. But That would be just, like logical storytelling, you know? Yeah, this is just a tagline that they've just thrown on the match. Yep. 
wow, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it blows my mind because all these guys have featured lots. Like Scott Norton's had like world championship title matches. Scotty's been headlining against Sting in the main event. They've not been in tag matches very much either. Yeah, and, so- and Rick and Ice Man King Parsons have been there. Uh, I, I must oh, admit, when okay. I came down so, the ramp, I was looking forward to. I, I love a good Hoss match. I love just big lads just running into each other. I think that's uh, that's a very underrated style. So I was looking forward to this match at the start. So, Will, have you noticed that at least four people on WCW? So the Scotts, the Steiner brothers, Sting. Hogan, who else tax? Who am I missing here? Uh, Luger. Luger have all got the same fucking entrance music. Is that a net? I thought that was a network thing. <laughs> no, it's not. This is their WCW themes. Okay. You can literally go, <laughs> man called Sting. Da, 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 da. He's got that red, white, and blue running through his veins. Signers are great. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right, I thought that was just a, I thought that was like a network overdub thing, but oh, I didn't realize that they were. Wasn't it Jimmy Hart did all the WCW music? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, only for the white people. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, only white people because he's a known racist, don't you know? I don't, oh, well, to, to to be honest with you, who from eighties wrestling isn't? <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, uh, I mean, you're only a racist if you get caught per Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so, about, um, go on. That is one of the unfortunate things about uh, Twitter is you do learn some unfortunate truths. Like, that was the thing with the Undertaker retirement thing. I was a little bit like, yeah, legendary career, great guy, but he also gave a ton of money to the Donald Trump campaign. So, you know... I wasn't cele- I wasn't celebrating him too hard. I'll just put it like yeah, that. Yeah, but he looks after tigers though, so you know, peaks and troughs. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> And so did Sea Freedom Roy. Look what happened to them. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Oh, if Tiger if oh, if Taker if I can talk, if Taker goes that way, that's quite a way to go out, eaten by a tiger. Didn't, I mean imagine the tribute show. <laughs> didn't Scott St- Scott Steiner, I swear in W so he came down to ring with a tiger once. And it was just because yeah. they booked a tiger, uh, forgot to do it, and then the tiger guy showed up and was like, well, I've got a tiger. It was like, <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Scott, <laughs> you're going to have a tiger tonight. And he's like, yeah, just sure. Think, just think what would happen if that tiger had decided, no, nah, I'm not going to play ball tonight. Just jumped <laughs> into the crowd. There was a 43 and 7-8% chance that, that oh, tiger was going to maul Steiner. Turn you off. Okay, so fire and ice, do you get it? Go after Scotty's shoulder. Uh, Norton picks up Scotty, hot tag to Rick. And then there's a bunch of messy shit that happens, including Rick tagging Scott in for the wrong corner, which is <laughs> just amazing. They don't give a shit. This guy has hit their This is the thing. stage there was another classic Dusty line. So obviously we've already got foreign ice against electricity. And then he's really putting it over. He goes, this one's going to erupt into electricity. There's electricity in the air. It's like, all right, Dusty. <laughs> I find quite regularly Dusty gets stuck on one piece of information and just refuses to move on, no matter what's happening on the show. Just like I've done already on the podcast. It's <laughs> <with his> quotes. <laughs> well, I remember that I think on once on an episode of Raw, they had like an interbrand battle royal, and it was at the time where Jerry Lawler clearly wasn't watching anything that he didn't have to, 
And I think Zack Ryder was in the ring. And it was back when Zack Ryder had the one leg tights. Oh, yeah. And that was all Jerry Lawler went on about because you could tell it was like all he knew about him. So it was like, oh, this guy, one-legged tight. It was like, yeah, yeah, you, you said that. Uh, well, he didn't rape any kids, so, you know, I'll pick the drops. <laughs> so, so <laughs> of that, but... <laughs> I yeah. You mentioned Lawler, I'm going to say it, you know, it's what it is. So uh, Steiners hit their Doomsday Bulldog off the top. It has a name, but I can never remember. It's called the Steinerizer or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's good enough. I think it's the Steinerizer. Anyway, Scotty hits a Frankensteiner on Scott Norton. Uh, Tax, do you want to describe this Frankensteiner? I would like it to someone trying to do a moonsault and popping themselves <laughs> on their head whilst accidentally having their legs tied around a, indivi- a different individual. And Scott Norton kind of throws himself forward sideways a little bit. That's kind of it. Yeah. It was a very good evasive role. <laughs> For the one, two, three. <laughs> well, not only that, Ice Train then panics and tries to pin Rick Steiner. Oh, it's great. <laughs> he grabs him, hooks his leg, and then holds him in a pinfall while Scott is struggling to pin. And it's like, oh, it's, it's a shame. I thought the match wasn't bad <laughs> up until that finish. <laughs> and then it just all went wrong. Like, yeah, that. Exactly. It's four guys with no build doing a Hoss match and fluffing up the finish a little bit. It, it just is WCW 96, I think. This kind of sums it up. It's still five stars for me. Yeah. <laughs> I must admit, it was a decent enough opener. Uh, it was what it was. Um, for its time, I think it, it, there were some really nice suplexes from the Steiners. Uh, there was one really like ugly one where I think S- Scott just dropped uh, Scott Norton on his shoulder really hard. And I saw that and went, ooh, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's just a shame about the finish. But, I mean, that can happen to anyone, but... Yeah, that was uh, that's the only slight thing that I think marred the opening contest. But you know, it's a good opening. That shoulder, that shoulder block you mentioned again, fantastic. You mentioned it because there's another great dusty quote, which is, "You ever hit yourself with a brick wall or hit your head on cement? <laughs> it rattles you." <laughs> <laughs> that's how thick he is. That's where the power of fire and ice comes in, uh, and that's what it? Dusty said. <laughs> do you get it? So, me and Gene backstage with Kevin Sullivan and known racist Jimmy Hart. Uh, Sullivan doesn't know where the camera is because he won't look at it. Um, Sullivan <laughs> is also the smallest lad in the shot. Oh, it's so weird. He's standing there with Mean Gene and Jimmy Hart, you know, notoriously small people like in interviews. And Kevin Sullivan's like a good half a foot shorter than both of them. <laughs> I fucking hate Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan, my son. That's the only good thing about him. That wasn't him. That was like the guy who was in the promo vignette thing with him. The higher power. Yeah. So um, Sullivan gets properly confused and starts swapping which camera he's cutting the promo to, constantly getting the wrong one, even though he's booking this shit. Uh, still can't roll his eye in the back of his head like Taker, so it looks like he's taking a dump. <laughs> just... But also never donated to Trump's campaign, so, you know, give him some leeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. At, at your school, was there the rumour, like, Oh, there have been like five Undertakers. Was there that rumor at your primary school playground? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There was one of the, only, only from my mum. <laughs> my mum was like, that's not the same one. <laughs> one of the kids at my school told me that one of the Undertakers had to step down from the role because he'd done the eye roll thing. And I'm not kidding. The kid said his eyes had snapped. His eyes had snapped wow. and stayed that way forever. So he had to step down from the role. And live his life <laughs> as I don't know, some sort of freak. I'd never heard that before. Wow, that's out there. Yeah. Can you get Louis to tweet that out on WrestleTalk, <laughs> Rich? <laughs> Definitely. News. Yeah. 
<laughs> from the world of wrestling podcast, we've heard a story from a professional wrestler, Will Powell, that one of the Undertakers <laughs> once had to retire. I said. The Undertakers. <laughs> I don't know if that was a true Clickbait story. extraordinaire. <laughs> But the chart, but the person who told me did seem to speak with great authority on the subject. So you know, throwing that out awesome. there. Paul, Be- Paul Bear is a shit star, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> so our next match is the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship match of Conan, our current champion, without his green card still, versus from the Black Forest, El Gato. <laughs> <laughs> me wow, me wow. Uh, so we talk about El Gato's outfit. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Before we do, Will, <laughs> uh, just to clarify, the correct translation of El Gato is the cake, by the way. <laughs> just <All so> right. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> okay, go on. Let's talk about gear. Yeah, it's just I mean, like... Hang on, Conan's, Conan's not here. We don't need to talk about gear. <laughs> oh, I wish. Well, Conan, Conan looked amazing, but this guy, he's got on like sort of these black tracksuit bottoms. Um like boxing boots and a mask which you know it looks like one you buy from the merch table he looked he looked terrible doesn't look anything like lonsdales (laughs) no so also uh mr cake here is coming out to kamala's jungle theme from wf (laughs) bit 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 mixed messages you know with the gimmick uh that was one of the um earlier in the year when um kamala died uh a lot of people, because Kamala started trending, and a lot of people who aren't in the wrestling circle thought it was uh, Kamala Harris, the um, the soon-to-be vice president. And it's just this morning of people who had never really followed wrestling discovering the Kamala character and being like, this is incredibly racist. Just and yeah, all yeah. these wrestling fans are going to be like, oh, yeah, I know, but like, you know, it was a beloved character of its time. <laughs> And uh, yeah, sometimes I think you do have to step outside the wrestling bubble and realize, yeah, it's not okay to have a a cannibal character in like the 1980s. Are we going to talk about that Jimmy Hart promo? Uh, I'm yeah. Oh, well, the Sting promo as well. I mean, gosh, that was really can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's quite a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... As Conan comes out, he's carrying multiple belts. And Shivoni goes, he's got the AAA heavyweight belt with him. And I'm like, no, he bloody doesn't, because AAA don't have a heavyweight belt, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a mega belt and a few other things, but yeah, whatever. So anyway, um, Conan's mask. So it's just kind of a fancy pair of goggles. <laughs> <laughs> he just came from swimming. <laughs> <laughs> so the lads go from spot to spot. Lovely prancy lucha as I make a cup of coffee. Um, Conan does an Irish whip into a back roll clothesline <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Uh, Conan does some unique spots that I've never seen before. Conan sunset bombs El Gato from the apron to the floor, and I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? Ow! <laughs> oh, God. And this is where, again, it led on to another classic Dusty. Well, Gato means cat, don't it? <laughs> so you're going to get power bomb to the fucking floor from the apron. And Shivani said, Yes, Dusty. And that was quick as a cat. <laughs> fucking hell, man. The, the crowd are dead throughout this match, apart from this moment where they fucking go mental because they just saw a man got powerbombed from like five foot in the fucking air. Like, Jesus Christ, man. And then, you know, they get back in the ring, Alabama slam for the one, two, three, and you're like, hang on, I'm not sure that was necessary. Psychology-wise, one minute they'd be chain rest, one minute they'd be sort of chain, then they'd be 
doing then they go back to chain it was a bit oh yeah it's fucking ways. nonsense yeah <laughs> uh, out of nowhere they i mean they did that huge sunset flip to the concrete which was like yeah. whoa but i don't think they needed to do that <laughs> quite frankly um although you're right it was the only thing that got a reaction and um yeah overall this was again it was a bit of a this was like a wwf jacked or metal match that was on a pay-per-view yeah Cake, you know. cake to knocker takes a hell of a bump to the outside though, didn't he? Uh, fair play to him. That was that's a really ugh, that was a really grisly bump, but he he took all of it and uh, nice nice finish. But other than that, um, yeah, I, I I not really the ma- a match that stick that's going to stay in the memory. If you know what I mean? They love a backstage promo, Mean Gene. They do fucking a billion of them every single fucking show. The Stinger is back here wearing pink and black. <laughs> Gene calls Regal sissy or prissy. And they do kind of like floppy, generic, kind of like camp hand gestures to each other. And I'm like, where the fuck is this promo coming from? 1987. (laughs) It's so wrong in so many ways. Yeah, this was a really bad, like, um, I mean, it was just awful. Like, you, you, and this was 1996 as well. Like, you know, that's not that long ago. If you think about it, like that's that's not like a million. That's not that like long ago, really. It's uh, it's just a shame. I that... think in 1996 we knew better to do this. You know, they're not like even Lodi or like camp promos, like camp characters. Where it's fucking William Regal we're talking about, Steve Regal. Yeah, and it, it's that thing of oh, all those people over in England, they must be, and it's like, well, not really, you know. <laughs> yeah. There is a bit where Gene puts over that Regal has wrestled in the sand pits of India and Sting says, he's a bit iffy. I'm not too sure about him. And they're like, what are you talking about? So odd. Yeah. It- Promos in the future will be a case of, and all those Brit wrestlers riddled with COVID. <laughs> 20 years on, unclean British wrestlers. It's weird. Someone dug up re- recently a promo from, I think it's the 80s, where uh, Roddy Piper has um, Adrian Adonis on the... Um, uh, on that talk show thing he used to have. And Don Morocco, who's supposed to be the heel in the promo, is like, oh, you know, so what if he's gay? He's still a human being. And then Roddy Piper, <laughs> who's supposed to be the face, is like, oh, I don't want that stuff around my kids. And you just think like, God, now that would be completely Jeez. the other way around. <laughs> like, Fucking hell, mate. Yeah. So next <laughs> up, boys, we have a Lord of the Ring match. Of Diamond Dallas Page versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell. How long have you had that queued up for? <laughs> About two seconds. I panicked. <laughs> Just like, oh, get it, get it, get it, get it. <laughs> so, Will, how much do you know about the Lord of the Ring? Is it, am I correct in saying it's like their version of King of the Ring? Hmm. Tax, would you like to explain how we've got to this point? Because I have no fucking clue, I'm going to be honest. It started at Slamboree, where there was essentially an odd bedfellows tag team tournament, where the winners of the <laughs> tournament's brackets ended up in a battle royale, where the winner would get a, a world title match and a fancy bit of jewellery called the Lord of the Ring, and be crowned Lord of the Ring with this fancy ring. The they don't week, mention the ring until like a week after, I seem to remember, right? 
the, the ring was mentioned there, oh, okay, okay. but they didn't have any importance of it as a title. <laughs> and then the following week, what they did is DDP had been eliminated. The last person eliminated was the Barbarian, but DDP had cheated. So what they did was they turned around and they said, DDP, you're stripped to the title match. And as it was down to you and the Barbarian, Lex Luger is going to have the title match. <laughs> Truth. Okay, I got none of that, really. Um. <laughs> exactly. That's, Lex Luger got a title match because he wasn't involved in the tournament. But DDP was given the ring and is called the Lord of the Ring. Yeah. And he's been defending it on Nitro against people like Jim Powers. So DDP won the tournament but doesn't get the title match because Lex got it. Well, he had the last laugh because he gets to <laughs> wrestle Marcus Bagwell. Not even Buff Bagwell, Marcus Bagwell. Oh, American when you see them coming, better run for cover. Girls, you don't need a weekend lover. Oh, American males, American males, American males. Did you know that if you want to talk, you better not listen. You might wind up in critical condition. American males, American males, American males. They're the best. And it's a shame he ran down to the ring because we didn't get to hear all of that song, you know the biggest disappointment of my show yeah one of my favorite buff bagwell memories was when he was on wrestle talk tv when it used to be on challenge tv that um they had him and spud as guests and spud was so happy to have bagwell there and they just sat there singing american males for pretty much the entire segment they were there oh, it's like so, so good watching them have such a good time so a bit of a ddp gear update we're rocking the silver and pink tonight not black and mm. pink so he's been paying attention at least <laughs> yeah 50% of the colours in the last two segments are on DDP <laughs> uh, he, he looks awesome I love DDP at this point he's not quite developed into the Diamond Dallas page of like you know 98, 90,000 or whatever but um, yeah the effort put in but not, not too many gimmicks like a year ago he had 50 gimmicks, three valets, two two sports cars a helicopter and a and Kimberly Page yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, I've got to and say... And a partridge in her page. <laughs> oh, shut the fuck <laughs> So, Bagwell got this shot of the Lord of the Ring title <laughs> via a coin flip. Not only that, if he wins, well, that ring's probably not going to fit his, his... Well, I don't know his size, but yeah, that's... <laughs> it might not fit. Like, <laughs> you've just got this useless that's chunk of jewellery. So, um, this is the second oh, time. As, as, a, as a knock-on, yep. this is also the ring that's now owned by MJF. Yeah, just lineage, right? That's how this works. Yeah. yeah. So, and because at least that one got over rather than uh, Sean Spears' glove. Yeah, that was Sean Spears has tried lots of gimmicks. He's the new DDP. Well, there we go. So, second time someone climbs rope and gets crotched this evening. Um, I've got to ask you a little question here, Mister Willpower. Yeah, sure. So, the abdominal stretch. Yeah. Is this something you have in your repertoire? Uh, yeah, I've, I've used it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really, it's a useful uh, sort of, there's quite a good spot you can do where you, you put the guy in the abdominal stretch of your heel, you grab the rope, referee check, you let go of the rope when the referee comes around, you do it twice, and then on the third time, you you just lose all control, you shut your eyes, you're like <laughs> grabbing the rope up and down like you're the ultimate warrior. Referee sees, you pull a panic face, they kick away your hand, mm. hip toss. That always gets a good reaction. Um, you know, simple stuff could, is the best stuff. You, 
could you please describe the physical embodiment that takes over you when you grab that rope and the physical effect it has on your opponent? Uh, it's it's like I said, it's literally like there's a jolt of electricity for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hang on, electricity along with fire yeah. and ice. This is dangerous. Yeah. This is so dangerous. <laughs> it is electricity. Well, electricity and water. Yeah, that's that's always a recipe for trouble. <laughs> but we've got Rich, fire to put it out. Do you get it? Like, what's that? <laughs> are you suggesting the abdominal stretch, very similar to the nerve hold of the shoulder, is is actually ineffectual? <laughs> uh, no, no. He said the opposite. He said it was like a bolt of lightning. Yeah, that's a yeah. good thing. Yeah, well, you're stretching the abdominal. Who wants to have their abdominal stretched? I certainly don't. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, I'm five for eight. I'd love to have my abdominal <laughs> stretched. <laughs> so DDP <clears throat> let me say that again. DDP sells the atomic drop by doing star jumps in the ring. Uh, DDP punches Bagwell. Um, he then does a diamond car with zero fucking build to it for the one, two, three, and still owner of his ring, DDP. Can you tell me the difference between the diamond cutter and the RKO? Uh, the diamond cutter can be hit at any point, whereas um, the RKO is out of nowhere. That's, so they're the same. Uh, actually, if you look, the diamond cutter, and I only realised this when I watched DDP's Hall of Fame speech, is done from a cravat. Oh, yeah. So if you, and, and it was only, I, I've been watching him do that move for years, and it was only when, and he actually said Regal showed him out to a cravat. And then he adapted it into the diamond cutter. And I, I, it's one thing I can now can never unsee. And it's like the way he locks on that quite tricky hole quite quickly uh, and then hits it. I just think it's really, mm. really good. You say quickly. I'd still be stuffed, as we mentioned <laughs> to on previous podcasts. I can't get out of a cravat for love nor money. I just can't do it. I don't get it. I just can't get the mechanics. It frustrates the hell out of me. <laughs> I'll show you when we come back. And <laughs> we'll be there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Proper rest hold, Iron Man. <laughs> Can I say that I think Marcus Bagwell was very good in this match? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, both. both. I was impre- impressed by both, actually. This that was a pretty solid match and uh, it's a really nice, it's very of its time. But yeah, it was a very good match, I thought. <clears throat> I feel DDP's wrestling in this match is just wrestling for the sake of wrestling and Bagwell's trying to add logic to what he's doing in the ring during it. Yeah, I, I got that. I got. The, I, I think the other thing as well is I, I think at this stage they were both probably quite quite grit, like they'd only had a few years each under their belt. Sure. I, I mean, I, I don't know the exact years both debuted, but I, I don't think either of them had been wrestling long. So for, for that considered, I think they did a, it's a pretty good job on this one. Don't get me wrong, I like DDP, but I feel like he's so focused on popping the crowd constantly and trying to get a reaction that he you lose any sort of like competitive nature to the match yeah. whenever he's in control. Yeah, I, I don't know. Tax, what do you think? Could that be a thing that's said for his entire career though? Because uh, obviously everyone when hmm. when he came over as part of the invasion, everyone was very excited to have this charismatic guy who interacted really well with the crowd. And everyone was saying when he came over, why didn't they put him with the rock? Why did they put him this dodgy stalker gimmick with the Undertaker? They buried him it's so like, hard. Well, it's because it was the test. Mm. Can DDP work with Taker? And Taker was probably a bit like, mm, not really for me. But then I suppose if some bloke's peering in at your wife, who you're then going to divorce and go off with a younger version, yeah, what are you going to do? 
what a lovely tribute to did they not ask you to speak <laughs> like the Survivor Series text? <laughs> I didn't ask I anyone respect- to fucking speak. He just walked out <laughs> one line and went home. It was like, all right, yeah, see you later. Mm. Well, that the Undertaker has ret- the Undertaker character is dead. Mark Calloway has not retired. So he's doing cameos. Biker Taker. Have you <laughs> for a thousand dollars a cameo? Jeez. Have you watched them? Oh god, yeah. I've got him to record a Ford for the World of Wrestling podcast. <laughs> it cost me an arm and a leg, literally. You can watch him on YouTube and stuff. It's kind of funny that he does the same momentum and same pose and same like sequence of what he's saying to every single one as well. Worth a grand of anyone's money. I don't know. The Mick Foley mm. ones are really good. Like, right? um, uh, my favorite ones that I've seen are the Gilberg ones. I haven't seen those. I have to check those out. He, he puts a lot of effort into them, man. He goes full Goldberg for them, and <laughs> like, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I don't know that out. It's- so, Mean Gene backstage with the giant and known racist Jimmy Hart. Um, Gene <laughs> wants to know, where did Jimmy Hart's allegiances lay? Third man? White America. <laughs> <laughs> the building of a sovereign nation. Yeah, that's where they lay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize- The giant here, man. He's a big, hairy, oily man. Fucking hell. Can I just ask, I, I must admit, I don't know the story with the Jimmy Hart thing. Is it like, is, is he actually- Done okay, something else. So, so Jimmy Hart has cut two promos from my immediate memory that are very, very racist. I see. One where he literally starts the promo by going, I hate, what does he say? Uh, I hate Orientals. <laughs> That's literally the opening line <laughs> oh, to the promo. Dear. No. Then he goes on to talk about Pearl Harbor for ages and how much he's his daddy fought them fucking blah, 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 you know? And then, uh, and then there's obviously the uh, promo with uh, Kamala where he talks about watermelons a lot. And it's like, hmm, don't know about this. Oh, God. I'm a, yeah, okay. I'll He's add, also a friend of Hulk Hogan, so racist by association. I'll yeah. add him to the list. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm sh- I mean, it's quicker to not have a list, just have someone who isn't on the list, and then your list will be smaller. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> I th- Pete Dunne. There yeah. we go. That's British wrestling. <laughs> So uh, Giant is putting over in this promo that Lex is not going to be able to get him up in the torture rack. Giant says Lex has a brain. (laughs) (laughs) I like jokes. Not a very big one, though, so there we go. Uh, Mike Tanay joins the lads on commentary, which means here we fucking go. Finally, these guys have not been on TV, like barely at all for the last five shows we've done. It's our WCW World Cruiserweight title match of Dean Malenko, our current champion, versus the debuting Rey Mysterio Jr., uh, spelt with an I. Who's that jumping out the sky? I, what a match, boys. T- tell me about this. Also, Rey's wearing pink and black, by the way. He's 20. What, uh, is he like... He's not. He's 21, I think, or like 19 years old. It's, a, it's crazy how like good he is and how polished he is and how accomplished he is. At like such a young age, I mean it's 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 incredible. I, he does the, such a good job in this match, and you must. You, we're kind of used to seeing high flying work rate matches, but if you think if you're like a casual viewer in 1996, this would be like watching wrestling from like another planet or another dimension. Because I can't really think of anything that would have been in sort of mainstream American wrestling. That was anything like Rey Mysterio was before 1996. Uh, that's my review. Tax. I, I, 
like like Mr. Power said, it's it's incredible that it's his debut and the only glimpse that we would have had as like American TV audiences if you weren't involved in their tape trading would be the vignette on the last episode of Nitro that we covered where they had the hype video for Rey Mysterio <coughs> coming and where they showed the footage of him in AAA. And it's like something that you've never seen before. Plus being in the ring with someone who's so talented like Dean Malenko. Mm. As we as we saw this was going to be on this pay-per-view, this plus Regal and Sting, I was like, this is going to be absolute gold for two completely different reasons. And how they worked this whole match, it was just beautiful. It had everything you wanted. It had technical, it had high flying, it had psychology. It had the long running storytelling through a whole match from start to finish. Nothing was wasted. Uh. In anything they did, Malenko was. So we've watched, obviously, gone. Malenko was absolutely fantastic as well. Um, the way he would, it, it, it was like he, he, the way he just go from the leg to the arm to the leg to the arm. What I also liked as well was he would return to holds. Um, he went for the sort of uh, leg scissor. Ray got out of it, and then he went back to the same hold, which I, I really liked seeing wrestlers do. So I've, I even had an argument once with someone on Twitter who said, "Oh." Well, that's a sign they can't work because I was like, no, that's a sign they can work. You know, you you watch boxers, they'll go back to the same punch. MMA fighters will keep searching for that same hold until they get it. And I think that's something that I I like to see in matches that you don't see. There's almost this thing where people are like, oh, well, I've already used that move, so I can't use that move again. And I think no, go, keep going back to it until you know, uh, until it works. And that there's so much great psychology in what Malenko does and his knowledge of holds, like the different ways he can. It's not just that he knows loads of holds. It's how he uses them. He knows so many different ways to injure the arm. And, he'll, and it, he does two slams with the arm tucked behind the back, which I think, and then he'll lock on some sort of arm hold and then he'll roll into another um, arm hold. There's a short arm scissor in there as well, which is one of my favorite holds to do whenever we're doing a bit of chain. I always like to slip that one on. But it's... Uh, yeah, he was he was really good, and Ray was fantastic. And it's a good example this match of two wrestlers who have very different styles, but styles that complement each other. I thought. So me and Tax have watched. The thing you said on. about Malenko. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. I think the thing you said about Malenko as well is so underrated when you look at him because, as you said, if you're using repeat holds, but it was how he transitioned into those repeat holds that made it so special because like you said i think some people when they're looking especially on the indies of well i've used that hold i can't do it again it's because there's no psychology in that storyline mm. there's no psychology in the match so it's just brilliant it just looks like he only knows two rest holds but as you said how malenko can maneuver and transition from from holds to holds to then get back into that original starting point it's a thing of beauty it's a thing of magic yeah and, and i must say when ray did the big ex- high fly moves they meant more because you'd had M- Malenko bring the crowd down with a with with some chains, some holds, some wrestling, so that they were ready when Ray hit a big high fly move. And again, I think that's something that sometimes gets a little bit lost when it's just move, 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 move. There's that sort of ebb and flow that I think the really skilled in ring psychologists have, like Malenko and like Mysterio. So we've watched a lot of WCW over the last month or so. And we've kind of seen some cruiserweight matches start to kind of come through. Like we saw an Eddie Flair match that was just incredible. We've seen bits of Malenko, like barely at all. But then they've had like other guys. They've been trying to debut from the power plant and stuff like that, which frankly have been a bit shit. (laughs) And so 
wait waiting for these guys to come along because you know they're going to be there like your huvies your psychosis your rage your malenkos whoever like the wcw cruiserweight guys you know to finally have one of these matches was like a breath of fresh air and the 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 difference between their two styles you know you get this fast lucha style opening where ray ray is trying to outdo dean but dean can keep up the whole time and then dean malenko picking apart ray's arms and legs and and ray selling it like he's fucking dying it's just incredible incredibly good storytelling and then kind of as i'm watching it i'm starting to realize that this is the probably a kind of match that's never ever happened up until this point you know mm. these are two dudes inventing wrestling like how do you take this style and this style and make them kind of work together so it's two dudes inventing a style of wrestling it's it's kind of revolutionary almost you know uh this was the best 18 minutes of this run of WCW shows that we've watched from an in-ring standpoint. It, I, I, I can't fault it. There, there was nothing to... There was nothing to... Other than the fact they didn't have much of a... Well, there was no build-up, but just as yeah. a standalone exhibition of two talented wrestlers, I couldn't find fault with it. Can we talk about the last third of this match? Yeah, sure. Because it's fucking bonkers yeah it's insane man rain gets the ray gets the advantage and hits a springboard 450 to the outside in 1996 but that's it it's computer game stuff isn't it (laughs) what well like not only that you haven't seen any dives to the outside in the opening match you haven't seen any dives to the outside in in the in any other matches so i mean you sort of saw that thing that conan did earlier but you haven't seen a guy run the length of the ring and just leap out of it so it means more and it's it's more special to to come back into the ring he does a springboard dragon runner and i'm like what i remember popping in like what mid 2000s when i saw dragon kid from dragon gate doing this i didn't realize ray was doing it in 96 Uh, it's it's not his his performance in this match is incredible and i mean he's still wrestling this year yeah, and he's, it's, it's mad, man. It's it's incredible that like, he's still. I know he started uh, very young, um, which I don't agree with. The only problem, whenever you see like certain wrestling schools that, uh, slight controversy here, but I I think the age limit for when you should start wrestling is fifteen. That's my view. Uh, Agreed, a hundred percent. And often when you see these sort of carny schools that are like letting very small children get in a wrestling ring and take bumps. Their, ex- sure. their excuse is always, well, Ray died when he was 13. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make it right. You know, like... Yeah, we've seen Ray's knees. Like, they're not great, man. Nah, nah. And... And his back and all sorts, you know. He's had massive amounts of surgery and problems and stuff, hasn't he? Well, that, yeah. It, yeah. It, so, admittedly, Ray did get an earlier start. But the fact that, you know, he's, st- he's still sort of going to this day. I mean, I know he has a slightly more reduced schedule now. Or he just gets his son to wrestle. Uh, he can't. <laughs> He's <laughs> bloody good. I love. He Dom, is. Yeah, yeah. Great. He's done very. The way they've handled him and uh, brought him onto TV has been very good. One of the few highlights from the WWE this year. Sure. And also the the most sensible way to do it because without fans they can control the reaction. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, maybe so. So Ray goes for a third crazy runner combination, but Malenko being Malenko, power bombs Ray directly to hell. Jesus fucking Christ, does he power him down? Malenko with both feet up on the ropes. And you're like, 
oh, for the one, two, three. Because Dean Malenko is not meant to be a heel yet. And the crowd cheer this cheating finish. And you're like, wait a tick, boys. What's going on here? Jimmy Hart booked the crowd. That's the, that's the other thing I will say with this show. I must admit, I'm not too afraid with who is in the heel camp and who is in the face camp at this point. And there were a lot of matches where I was like, which one's which here? Who, who's meant to be the heel? Yeah. Who's meant to be the face? And It's genuinely disappointed me on this show because it's actually been reasonably solid up until now, I would say. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've, at this stage... I've really enjoyed it, but as I remember from how old WC, well, so the latter stage of WCW went, it's almost like it's still WCW by numbers in 1996. The first half of the show is cracking, similar to our podcast, and then <laughs> it falls, it falls to shit for the second half. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and still Dean Malenko awesome match man really fun commentary don't seem to mind that Malenko cheated to get the pinfall at all they don't mention it either really it's kind of odd but I mean just a cracking match definitely match of the night for me and the fact that now this has set the benchmark so as you said you've got Psychosis coming in you've yeah. got Hoover you've got Ultimo Dragon to come in as well when Dragon was good Liger comes in for part Blitz of it. Blitzkrieg. Oh, yeah. Lovely. So WCW are accused of not following up these stories and these cruiserweight divisions and stuff. So we'll see over the next few weeks whether we actually get follow-up with Malenko and Mysterio specifically. But there is also something to mention here. So on the very first show we did, we got an Eddie Guerrero and uh, Ric Flair match that was fucking awesome, as you might expect. But on this, I don't know if you caught this, guys, but during the commentary tonight, Tanay mentions that Eddie Guerrero has just won the Super J Cup and is hopefully on his way back to WCW. So I'm expecting... Because this is what Eddie you Guerrero. mentioned. Yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, you sent me that that grab from um, from Cage Match where you're like, I was wondering why we hadn't seen much Eddie Guerrero and this is why. Yeah. And you sent me the whole list of where he was at this time. It's a case of, ah, Japan. I didn't realise he won the Super J Cup. Was he Eddie Guerrero or Black Tiger when he won? Uh, he was Black Tiger. Ah, I see, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know if he was for that specific tournament, but I suspect he would have been, yeah. So, Mean Gene backstage with dum da dum 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 Lex Luger and his two ugliest fuck belts. <laughs> He's saying English words, but uh, not in the right order. Uh, he has... <laughs> him... He had the fortune to be great sport and to have pied in. <laughs> mean Gene is literally corpsing at Luger's shitty talking. It's, it's fucking brilliant, man. Mean Gene's hilarious. On the subject of people suddenly becoming hilarious, Matt Riddle's finally done something that I laughed at. Which bit? You impressed when he was going face to face of MVP oh, on yeah. Raw and MVP went, I'm not your bro. And Matt Riddle goes, oh. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's the highlight of Matt Riddle's career. See you in federal court. Yeah. Lads, 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 lads. <laughs> Finally, the payoff to the best story of the past month of WCW. Still carrying around Sharky's hair a month later after he chopped it off. Representing the Dungeon of Doom. And I'm like, since when? <laughs> since when was he representing the Dungeon of Doom? Forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's Big Bubba. With known racist Jimmy Hart still in non-uniform, for fuck's sake, put on your policeman. He's basically dre he's dressed as fucking aces and eights. And he very much is. Versus, he's not a man. <laughs> got it wrong. He's not a shark. He's a man. It's John Tenter. He doesn't hail from tsunami anymore. Oh, this is heartbreaking. It's devastating, isn't it? 
So no music for Sharky whatsoever. Just a video of him having his head shaved in the background, you know. Because he's just a man. Yeah, he's not a shark. He can't have music. Cause... And he's not a real man either, like Regal. He's just a man. <laughs> Boys, T- Tenta has been wandering around for a month now with half a skullet. Love it. That's kind of in now, though, isn't it? The half skullet. That's... <laughs> That's kind of fun. Is that because you've noticed that I haven't yeah, been able to go to yeah. the barbers because of lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> you've got to say, Tenta's commitment to this storyline, even though no one else gives a flying fuck about it, is kind <laughs> of incredible. Yeah, it's one of those weird wrestling logic things where it's like, in real life, any normal person would have just shaved the other side of their head. But it's like, nope, I will commit to this. Until I, <laughs> I've, um, I've, I, as a kid, I don't know if either of you ever did, but did you ever... S- Go to the all-star shows when uh, Earthquake was appearing on them. I never saw Earthquake, but I've been to a few all-star shows, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, only to only to Tonka for me. Oh, yeah. I, I, um... And us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I saw him at a few. And I, I, I used to, as a kid, I had a signed Big Show poster by <laughs> Earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> that was laminated, yeah. A laminated, signed... Uh, a a free poster of the Big Show with Earthquake written on the Big Show's arm. Ah, oh, bonkers! It, I bet it was like some. It reminded me of the Simpsons. Yeah, that <laughs> photo of Roger Moore signed by Sean Connery. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man! Yeah. So Dusty has a line early on in this match where he says, "If you will, a butt to the face," and I'm like, "It's kind of the perfect analogy for this match." Yep. I use that. that that's sorry. I keep going about myself. Yeah, that's uh, that's All part right. of my repertoire. Is the old running and hitting them with your ass as hard as you can. That's uh, the hip attack, the butt bump. Will. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that always gets a good reaction. Well, that's I, so. Yeah, go on. Well, I stopped. I stopped I was doing it because I worried the... I would one day actually crush someone's head with my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Bobber chokes Sharky with his singlet strap on the outside. And Dusty gets stuck for a minute in time. He's searching for words. And he does it a few times, I think, here. He's going, Gormant? Garment? A Gormant? Oh, God, <laughs> he yeah. can't think of the word <laughs> what he's doing. And then he does it later on. I think it's a different match, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think it's a later match. But um, oh, Dusty is kind of hilarious, just generally throughout all these matches. Absolute gold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like it. I think, you know, we're so used to WWE commentary, which is so micro, literally to the point where there is a guy down a headside yelling at them what to say, and there are rules about terms they can and can't use. So it was just nice to hear a commentator who is just allowed to roam free. And if he wants to... I, I don't know if nice <laughs> is the word I would use. <laughs> no, I liked it. If he wants to spend half the match trying to pronounce the word garment, hey... Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> no one's watching this That's match. Right. Anyway. I, ju- I, I th- I'm, I'm really glad you said that because obviously I haven't commentated on wrestling for about 12 months. So I recorded my first P- Pro Wrestling All Stars show earlier today, oh, well and when there were moves happening, I was I was moves happening. I was like, um, hip toss. <laughs> what a maneuver! <laughs> I forgot <laughs> one of those. That was mentioned. That was mentioned the first match. I was like, oh shit, I can't use that again. <laughs> But in fairness, whilst we've been recording, I've had a nice message from Pro Wrestling All-Star saying they're very, very happy with the commentary on the show, which means it's good that they only speak Flemish. (laughs) So it's good. (laughs) And where can we find that show? Uh, It's going to be on uh, Powered 4 TV soon. Look at that. 
So Barbara is winning the match. Jimmy up on the apron. Who cares? Tenta wins. Uh, Tenta chops off some of Bubba's beard. And we don't really get to see it because Bubba covers it up with his hand. Uh, you know the worst part about this match? It wasn't it. long enough. <laughs> Sharky tells us after the match that he's not finished with Bubba. So we have to sit through more of this fucking dog shit for the next few weeks. Oh, well, because we haven't got the cruisers all across yet, <laughs> we've got to fill time <sighs> with these with big lad wrestling. You know, this is the 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 worst that WCW are accused of. They've got WF guys, and they're going to put them on TV because you might recognise them, and you might not change the channel. It's odd. Like when you consider this match is back to back with the one we just w- watched, the uh, Rey Mysterio Malenko oh, match. What? It's like two different yeah. worlds, and that that I think is where, like going back to my point earlier, that's where the Rey Mysterio. It was wrestling was sort of in a weird transition point at this point. Like it, it's sort of leaving the cartoony um, big lads sort of of the eighties, and it's moving towards um, a more athletic style that we see in quite a few of the matches on this show. So yeah, but this Wait, wasn't I don't great. Know about you guys, I have I have strong fond memories of both Boss Man and Earthquake. Yeah, but just not this match. Fucking hell, not this. Nah, nah. It's um, yeah, wasn't their best. It's amazing what happens when you don't have the WWF, it's the WWF WWE machine behind you for gimmicks that needed that sort of mm. thing. Because you know we have fond memories of Bossman and and Quake because of when we watched it when we were younger. So obviously at the time that product really suited those two characters. Whereas now they're trying to make like Bubba and Tenta a little bit edgy. So by having a man who was once a shark and is now a man, it just doesn't <laughs> sit. Nah, it's, it's not good. Mean Gene. Why didn't anyone book Tenta in, <laughs> in Sharknado? <laughs> Would have been great. Mean Gene backstage with our lovely gay porn stars and their <clears throat> wives. <laughs> yeah, sure. So Mongo, doesn't, do you know the gimmick that we've got going here, Will? Um, I think they're both, again, they're both former NFL players. And as of year in the UK, this just gets, you know, the Alan Partridge shoulder shrug <laughs> okay, gif. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes, just... yes. So, so they've also done some vignettes where basically they've been like softcore gay porn. It's been delightful. Let's just put it that way. So there's yeah. going to be lots of I'm gay just... porn references as we go along, just so you know. I, I'm so happy that we've got to essentially part one of the payoff for this but rich i need to check something have you written down the interaction between gene and mongo i've written some of it down <laughs> brilliant do you want to do a bit of role play <laughs> if you've written it no, down no, no. if you've got the whole line? thing written down chuck it in the discord and i'll do it with oh you. okay hang on let me just see copy and paste it utilize yeah i'm going to but obviously i'm working on my my silly little uh let's see a little setup. so let's see if i can get the discord open. don't care about no game plan baby <laughs> Pretty much. Hang on. It's control. Here we go. In it comes. Okay. So do you want to do you want to be Gene or do you oh, I'm Mongo. Be... Mongo. Mongo. Please. I want to be Mongo. Okay. Okay. Steve McMichael. The game plan. Very quickly. We know about game plan. I don't care about no game plan, Gene. And then Kevin Green joins again. All I know is, baby, it's like goal line, baby, short yardage, baby. Watch out, we're coming hard. <laughs> and then Matt chimes in at the end. The smell of winning is in the air. And a little perfume too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you're smelling is winning. <laughs> Pretty sure 
That is cum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brilliant. What a delightful, what a delightful. And then off camera, (laughs) off camera, you've got Macho going, we're going to get him. We're going to get him, big guy. (laughs) I loved it. Oh, it's just the best. I could watch these guys do these promos all day. They're just my favorite part of every single show we do is any of the NFL guys like, yeah. I'm just going to throw out there now. The match we're going to get to later, right? It's fucking cracking. (laughs) It's really good. It's A for effort. That's because the NFL boys have been training. (laughs) But before we get to that, we have a two referee full count anywhere match. Falls count anywhere match between Chris Benoit. We're not allowed to mention that name. And Kevin Sullivan with no racist Jimmy Hart. So, yes, we all know Benoit ended up being an absolute cunt all that sort of stuff we can skip through most of this but um that aside dust dust dusty's obsession with the the toilet facilities mm. in this match maybe we'll go into the ladies room and find <laughs> out what goes on in there <laughs> all right dusty yeah. the, the whole match the is walk and brawl to the bogs at the back and everything right so we can skip through most of this but is it just me? <laughs> or is... Sorry, it's just... I was going to say, that when he goes on, it's like, the Taskmaster's in his element in the bathroom right here in the in the John, what? if you will. <laughs> I was like, oh, I tell you, if you want Kevin to... Sullivan is a bit of a cunt. Right? <laughs> By comparison to the company he's keeping in this match. Well, no. Okay, yes, I know. Can we take ourselves out of what Benoit did and just think about this time period? Like, Benoit is set to be a superstar for them. Like, he is insanely good, right? We all really think this. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree from a wrestling yeah. standpoint. From a, from a character standpoint, no. Of course. Like, he, yeah, he needs a lot of work, and he ends up being a horrible piece of shit, right, towards the end or whatever. At the end or whatever. But Sullivan is washed up. He's the past. He's not there. And he isn't selling at all he doesn't sell fucking anything in this whole match it sounds like you've watched us in the future for my first match in 2021 <laughs> no it's um i had i had a real problem with this match i fucking hate kevin sullivan well he did well then again benoit did steal his wife so not not yet oh that hasn't happened, happened yet, yet. Oh, okay no that's after this oh <laughs> maybe he's working on it like... <laughs> <laughs> Benoit's like bumping down the steps room. Sullivan just fucking punts him in the bollocks as hard as he can. You're like, fucking hell, man. Like he's At that stage, Benoit's rolling down the stairs going, I think he knows. <laughs> Nancy, I think he knows. Oh, it's fucking just annoying. But like, you know when guys are green and like they won't commit to their bumps quite? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's like old vets that refuse to sell for the young guys. Yeah, I know about that. Like... <laughs> That that's <laughs> both a Kevin Sullivan in this match. He's the worst. He won't bump. He won't sell. He doesn't do fucking anything. This is like when Hogan put Kidman over. <laughs> I'll I'll say this. Um, uh, most almost everyone I've worked with who's come out of Southeast Pro has been an absolute pro, and we we all sell for each other. We all react to each other's moves. But there was one time I had to work with somebody from outside. And yeah, I was as soon as I saw Taskmaster, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah, they also wear yellow. Yes. Yeah, I thought yeah. about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> we all had. <laughs> but 
Oh, what a piece. He was doing really well. So uh, I won't say much more, but yeah, good luck to him. <laughs> well, I wish I wish I could afford. Oh fuck, I can afford lawyers. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> <All> <laughs> so what do you do in that situation? If a guy won't sell for you, what do you do? Do you just punch him in the fucking face? Do you just go one, two, three, roll up, get out of here? Um, depends who you are, but in my experience, mm. you just try your best to get through it, and um, just move on. <laughs> I mean, it depends. I, it depends I, where you are on the ladder. It depends. Um, what there's there's so much that can go in into that um so, sometimes i mean to be fair sometimes people don't know or they're not sure or they're not quite and i get that sometimes people uh genuinely and it's again it, we're all learning so it's um it's a learning curve thing but yeah in that particular match <laughs> that was just a case of um someone not wishing to cooperate and that's all i'm going to say about that uh good luck to him that 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 individual, um, I mentioned this originally. I mentioned this to um, Coach Wicked um, a while back. I had a interaction with him prior to coming to SCPW, yeah. and he'd asked me as I was helping put out chairs and everything. He'd asked me to um, film his match for him, and I was obviously trying to do more for what the promoter wanted rather than what the talent wanted and his camera was slightly off angle and he tried to chew me out backstage and try to extort me for money because I'd cost him the ability to rewatch his match and uh, I floored him. You floored him? And put him on his ass. Yeah, I floored him and put him on his ass. and at that stage when, when said individual started getting booking on shows I was on I was thinking uh, I probably won't turn up to those shows because I think he's probably going to rat me out and I thought oh, he's, he's a big name. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble and uh, I'm really glad I punched him right in the face and i would do it again with witnesses if i had the opportunity to do so because again unlike some people i can fucking afford lawyers Stu miller ah the inside workings of the british wrestling scene may i just say i didn't know that story but after you telling me that you are now my favorite wrestler of all time (laughs) 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 by deep all i will Uh, all i will say all i will say is if you're gonna go around suing people that's pretty rich if your gimmick is completely nicked from John Sullivan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on. There's a table up top on the rope. Suplex off the table. Benoit wins. Fuck Kevin Sullivan. Uh, how to make yourself look good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the wrestler's name then. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was being a good boy. So post-match, Benoit starts slapping Sullivan around. And there's this whole narrative that hasn't really been explained on these nitros that we've been watching. Because there's been... Uh, what's the other show? thunder no no sorry saturday night saturday night has had all this benoit horseman sullivan bullshit on it so we haven't seen any of this but um basically heel on anderson out third man sorry he's the third man (laughs) heel on turns on heel sullivan and to team up with face benoit so heel on is beating up heel sullivan so the heel dungeon of dune can come out for the save right before heel horseman team of Flair and Arn are going to face up against the face team of the American football lads. Who booked this shit? Yeah, I, I was completely lost at this point. Um, and also, uh, on an unrelated note, credit to the people who built that table, because that was one sturdy table like that uh, they used in the finish. But no, I, I like I said, I was like, I thought the Dungeon of Doom were the villains, but... Here come the horsemen. I thought they're fighting the two football players who are faces. 
I was so confused by that. And and also the events that will transpire later. Yeah. It, like you said, I've just it's it's really all over the place at the moment. That's how they're gonna get their heat back later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the real problem is? What? Beyond all this, is the person that booked this shit is wrestling Chris Benoit. Yeah. It's Kevin Sullivan. Is the cunt that booked this? He's involved in it. <laughs> all those shots to the head. Yeah. What the? <sighs> fucking shit. Move <laughs> so on. Mean, move on. Move on. <laughs> Six stars in the Baltimore arena. Yeah, fucking <laughs> a. Mean Gene. They love a backstage promo. Backstage with the Horsemen, Flair, Arn, Benoit, Heenan, Woman, and Liz. Arn cuts a sweet face promo. Well, you know, fuck Dungeon of Doom. Um. That's his promo, not my words, but still. Uh, Flair cuts a promo without saying he shagged everyone's wives. But then Flair chimes in. There's a lot of things that Macho would like to do that he can't anymore. Right, Liz? (laughs) (laughs) Have a nice steak dinner. (laughs) Ah, he had to get it in somewhere, didn't he? Fucking Flair in 96 is literally his promo is one thing. I fucked your wife. I fucked your wife. It's, It's great, but... Again, having that in 2021 for the gimmick. <laughs> Just so you know, I fucked your wife. You fucked my wife? I am your wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which leads us in to our next match. We have tag team champion Sting versus Lord Steven Regal. I fucking loved this match. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I just uh, declare an interest. I... Uh, this is a match that I have tape studied a lot. Um, a lot of I've used bits in this match, bits from this match in matches that I've had. Uh, this has been like a match that I've really, really. Um, I, I I've, I've watched this quite a few times, um, and it's the perfect it's a perfect match to learn how to work as work a heel against a really fiery baby face, and it's it's really coming useful over the years. This match I, I can't rate it enough. Talking about fiery baby faces. Man called Sting, red, white, and blue, and Stannis are great. So, uh, Regal, Regal's character work. Dinosaur great. <laughs> Regal's character work in 96. That's brilliant. Insane. Yeah. It's so fucking good, man. You know how I was saying earlier, DDP is obsessed with popping the crowd, but doesn't focus on the match at all. Like, Regal's the perfect epitome of being able to do both perfectly, consistently throughout a match. Mm. No, it's fantastic. And what I will say is Sting has a very sort of um he looks strong and he looks uh he 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 does at some points completely no sell him, but he never completely buries Regal. Uh and I think that's a really that's a real testament to Sting's skill as a babyface. He doesn't he he makes Regal look credible in the match. He makes Regal look like a worthy opponent, even though Regal is doing the uh, cowardly heel shtick, which I love, by the way. And um yeah, this was just a, it's a really it's a really good match. There's some fantastic the facial expressions as well in this match are absolutely off the chart um for me. They're fantastic. That bit where um, Regal gets Sting in the corner and Sting just starts no-selling his strikes and firing up Regal's plethora of facial expressions that he goes through at that point are just fantastic and really worth a watch. I would say to any new wrestler coming in to definitely seek out this match and watch it and study it. Really good. Do you notice? Um, I have not gone. Sorry, I was going to say I have absolutely nothing else to add to that, other than like you said, any new wrestler coming to business. 
any wrestler who's looking to do study. This is technique storytelling by numbers and telling a story with purely facial expressions alone. If you just ignore the fantastic technicality, just go on the facials of the heel and face dynamic. It gives something so special in this match. There's a bit where Regal pops to the outside trying to like wind up the crowd and such. And a fan stands up in about the third row behind where the commentary position would be if it was like, you know, not WCW. And did you notice who stood up that Regal had a standing argument with? No. It was ECW hat guy. Like in in the full Hawaiian shirt and everything. I was like, oh shit, (laughs) it's ECW hat guy. Hat guy. So this match, right? Solid heel versus solid face. Like, yeah. holy shit, the pop for Sting as he comes up. It's so good. It's pantomime. There's technical innovation. It's stiff. The crowd are fucking flying the whole way through the match. Yeah. And also, you've got Dusty explaining the reason oh. behind the feud of another classic Dusty moment. Lord Stephen Regal came into a situation where he, he backhanded what we call a franchise player. This thing takes on also, Tony, a grudge match mentality. <laughs> that backhand is literally oh, yes. how the match was built. Like Regal, Sting accidentally bumped into Regal or something. So Regal backhanded Sting as hard as he fucking could. Regal was in a match like a couple of weeks ago. He won the match. Sting comes out, just backhands Regal and leaves the ring. You're like, oh, it's so simple, but it's so good. They're just like working this backhanding each other as hard as they fucking can into a feud. And you're like, that's all I need. <laughs> that's really all I need. Oh, so, so good. So, and you you mentioned earlier as well about Regal, like DDP always trying to pop the crowd and Regal doesn't focus on it, but can just do it effortlessly as part of his character. Do you catch the point where he had Sting in like the chin lock and then he mouths to the camera, is this America? Well, I pity everyone. <laughs> Fucking A, man. <laughs> and, and part of that, like, kind of like guys like American Dragon, Guerrero, Bret Hart, I guess Okada as well. Regal has this like thing that I don't quite understand how people do. Well, they have like this perfect pacing to a wrestling match. Like they're never panicked or forced into doing something they shouldn't or don't want to be doing. It's like it's not about the maneuvers or how much damage they can give or receive. It's kind of like a cliche, but it's like the art. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, you can really. T- it's I, I guess that just comes with e- experience. Just all that time wrestling on holiday camps, uh, carnivals, army army barracks, and just things like that. Yeah, that all pays off. Like. If, with his timing because his timing is second to none and like you said he's he you can almost tell that he he would be completely comfortable just calling this match in the ring um yeah sure he it's just it's so good and again he's he i think he's fairly young in this match i don't i don't i think he's still in his 20s he must still be in his 20s in this match so he's yeah, he's it's just a shame that he had the injuries and the drug um addiction and stuff kind of post this kind of era i think it was yeah yeah no, like because to to see him working with sting Who's just the perfect dance partner, as you said, man. Mm. These guys are killing it. Okay. And it, the shape, the shape he's in as well is is really, really uh it's the best shape I think I've ever seen him in physically. Um yeah, the, the match is it I, I can't say enough good stuff about this match. Uh like I said, if you're learning to become a if you're tr- trying to figure out being a good, a decent heel, this is the match to watch. To quickly go over the finish, they uh, slightly slip on a top rope dump, double underhook suplex again in 96. These guys are doing these crazy spots. 
Uh, Regal stretch locked in, but he gives it up when Sting won't tap. And is, was it just me or did Sting look a little bit legitimately rocked at this point? Uh, I must admit, I, I didn't notice that myself, but I'll, 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 uh, I'll have to check back on that one. I felt like maybe Regal had to legitimately pick him up off the floor at one point. Yeah, It could just be Sting selling really well because he's notoriously quite good at that, to be fair, but... You know, whatever. I wonder if he got bashed a little or bits like winded when he went for the stinger splash and Regal sort of put the knees up. Yeah, maybe. So Regal backhands Sting in the corner. Sting wakes up and stares down Regal as you described a second ago. The stare he gives him, fucking hell, man. It instantly sells everything about this feud. Sting on the rampage, lock, locks in the scorpion death lock after the knees in the corner and all that sort of stuff. Tap, tap, tap. Sting is your winner. Just great man really 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 good um we get a bash at the beach ad oh yes you're allowed to have i love a i love a pro you're allowed to have a sharky in this (laughs) (laughs) uh the end line's a bit weird for this if you thought last year's bash was awesome this year this year will be nothing less than beachy beach tea would that be like <laughs> sand? <laughs> like... <laughs> they described it as gonna it, like it's gonna be beachy. What does what does that even mean? Beachy. Moving to the country. Oh, you a lot of beaches. Lot of beaches. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a tag team grudge match up next of Arn Anderson and Ric Flair with Bo- Coach Bobby Heenan, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman versus our NFL lovely lads of Kevin Green and Steve McMichael, Mongo himself, with Deborah McMichael, Coach Randy Savage, and Tara Green, who's, uh, I believe, Kevin Green's wife, I want to say. They've got the same last name. So. Good detective work there, uh, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, can you imagine? So, Flair's, Flair's theme begins to play, but they cut it off as Michael Buffer is here to do his thing. Flair in green and gold this evening. He looks fucking amazing. Yeah. But Arn and the two ladies are in all black. Head coach Bobby the Brain Heenan gets his own little rig entrance after the horse. And I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. <laughs> He's the coach. It's the NFL style. The coach will walk out after the players run out, don't they? <laughs> so when uh, the NFL people come out, uh, the only thought that went through my head is why has Deborah got a snack for Al Snow? <laughs> <laughs> A deep cut anyway um so team happy to be here bomb time spectacular make their entrance <laughs> and the crowd go mild yeah but the crowd adore the macho man like it's i know it's uh he's beyond his best at this point but fucking hell macho especially the kid in full cosplay in the front row was that screech oh i don't know i was swear it? i saw uh, well, obviously not Screech, but the guy who Dustin Diamond, I think his name is, the guy who plays him. I, yeah. I swear I saw him in the crowd, and it might have been Dustin Diamond's got nothing to do with Saved by the Bell. No, he's in prison. <laughs> is he in prison at the moment? Yes. Oh, Although is it for what I think it's for, he's one of. He's also not. I was going to say he's also not in the remake on Peacock where they've remade Saved by nah. the Bell <laughs> with 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 Zach as mayor <laughs> and AC Slater and um. Oh, what what's the lady who was in um Showgirls? Um but they're the teachers now at Bayside High. This is the second week in a row we've had this discussion. <laughs> well, it's been three weeks since we last did a podcast, but you know what I mean. 
Anyway, the bell rings and a group of fans have a giant Mongo Sucks banner opposite the hard cam, <laughs> which made me fucking oh, burst out laughing. Bless them. Oh, they're the faces. Anyway, so Arn and Mongo to start. Instant Mongo Sucks. Well, no, they're, well, they're no, because Arn just turned face. Oh, of course. Yeah, I missed it. They made that quick. Uh, with the whole... Yeah. yeah <laughs> dumb. But we get loads of Mongo Sucks chants, and I had this dreading feeling at this point of just like, this is going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be with all the build-up. But... I fucking loved this match. How did you guys feel about it? How about you, Tex? Beautiful. I love this match from start to finish. It had the classic athlete transitioning into sports entertainment. And Kevin Green was a revelation. And Mongo was also there. Yeah, it's odd that they gave the push to Mongo um, and not Kevin Green. Because like you said, of the two, I would say Kevin Green looked the most comfortable in there well uh, the thing you probably don't know at this point is mongo is no longer in the nfl kevin green just won the super bowl and is currently employed by the florida panthers as he's doing this match <laughs> and th- wow and they let him <laughs> yeah not for long well, <laughs> well that's the thing he's he ended up going on to have a well I, I won't spoil it for us but he had a couple more matches until the nfl franchise went Hang on, you're what? <laughs> and then they sort of pulled him out. Yeah. It's like they just don't turn on TNT on a Monday night, you know? Otherwise they'd know. Like, it's different. I mean, now <sighs> nowadays, if they ever want to get a sports team involved in anything, that's that really cringeworthy thing where they send them all belts. Have you seen that? Mm. Oh, I'm not a fan of that. They sent one to Captain Tom Moore. Did you see that? Who's that? Uh, the guy who did the walk. The old, the, the old, the, like, the elderly gentleman who he did the walk for the NHS in his garden. During lockdown, and he raised all that money. When you say garden, you mean massive palatial yeah. estate. And he raised all that money for the NHS, and great, great thing that he did. But the WWE sent him a WWE title belt. Uh, in the well, hope that the you wear branding it. that they know, <laughs> they know that they'll lift that belt up, and someone will take a photo or a video, and they've got their logo on, you know, Twitter or whatever yeah. it may be. So it's it's shit because I missed the old belts, but it's quite smart marketing, really. Yeah, I can't fault it. I think it came from there was that Super Bowl where that guy he just he had a belt and he was just waving it around, but it was the um, it was the old WCW. Title. Yeah, it was the old WCW <laughs> title. And oh fucking hell! Yeah, I think since then it's like oh no, we can't. We've got to get one with the logo on it. And yeah, have you seen the Chic documentary on uh, Amazon Netflix? Where it is? Yeah, yeah, really good. Wait. Where he wanders into restaurants and stuff with the WCW belt. Yeah. <laughs> Which he never <laughs> helped. <laughs> I know. Oh, you got to love the work rate, man. What a ledge. Yeah. Happy he's, uh, you know, doing good or whatever. So, American football spots. Uh, Macho attacks both Arn and Flair. Can he do that, Joey? He's not in the match. Yes. Uh, Green knocks Flair and Arn to the outside. Green struts and the crowd go fucking mental for him. It's really fun, man. He's on it. He's really into it, isn't he? I mean, that's the thing with Green. He wants to be good, whereas Mongo wants the paycheck. Well, maybe. I don't know, because there, there's a point where they both lock in a double figure four. They both lock in a figure four, sorry, on, <laughs> on Arn and Flair. And the crowd are on their fucking feet. They wave their arms. They're going crazy. It's, they're really working tonight, man. Like, and I know that... Oh, let's just go through it. So Liz and Woman chase off the NFL wags to the back as Flair and Arn take over, as you might expect. Dusty searches for the word implement for about 20 minutes on commentary. <laughs> he's, he's trying to say they're trying to implement their game plan, but he goes, impact, 
implant, enter, interact, interact. <laughs> just like nearly, nearly, Dusty, you're getting there. But yeah, it's, it does this a few times, obviously. Uh, Flair and Arn are doing such a good job of getting these NFL lads over as the match goes on, playing the shit, chicken shit heels, cheating away, doing everything they can to get heat and get pops. There's even a point where uh, Flair does the flop over the corner to the outside and lets Mongo give him the big boot. So there's like a combination pop sequence. You're like, oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> um, Flair, and Ar- Flair into Arn. Flair flops. Mongo makes the tag to Green. House of Fire. Until Arn takes out Green's knee and obviously the heels go to work on Green's knee. Macho is seen enough. Goes after Arn, which brings out Chris Benoit for the save because obviously, you know, Horseman. Uh, closely followed by Liz Woman and a returning Deborah, all together in their luxurious dresses. Deborah has I love matching dresses. Deborah has a briefcase full of money that she shows the camera, and inside the briefcase is a horseman shirt for Mongo. What? Which, ironically, if you wanted to buy one of those, is actually the same cost of the value of the money in the briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> Probably is nowadays. Yeah, Mongo takes the bait smashes the briefcase over the back of his tag team partner you mean the halliburton oh yeah the halliburton well played uh flair pins green for the one two three and in the best thing mongo will ever do in wcw (laughs) you get this awesome kind of heel turn of mongo into join the horseman i mean you can see why they want this nfl star to be a part of the horseman it's great publicity etc etc but yeah, why didn't they put it on Kevin Green? They, the actual NFL star. They've let a fox in the hen house, do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it was, it, I mean, the turn was brilliant, and the fans were all over it. And like uh, Kevin Green going, Mongo! Mongo! <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was falling off a cliff. <laughs> uh, it's... Oh. it's just great like, i expected the worst from this i've been dreading this for weeks this is the one match they've been building on nitro every single hour or so and there's a mention of it or a video promo or a package or a clips highlight or something going on and i really did expect the worst i've got to say i think both the nfl guys held their ground and the horsemen fucking hell man the way they can get like anyone over they could literally be wrestling brooms this would be this good uh, so yeah they, I'm at, they, considering they've got two guys who are very green no pun intended uh i think that the rick and arm sorry it's like i'm on first name terms with them uh planned out a really solid match here and um you know they they, they played to what they could do rather than what they couldn't do which i think was the smart way to do it absolutely Dusty does his faith in humanity bit at the end where Dusty goes, money talks, money talks, man. I tell you, we need to take a hardcore look at this country and what really makes it all worthwhile. This is stupid. (laughs) Yes, Dusty. I love that promo. That really stuck with me. (laughs) It was so funny. So we no longer have two of the four horsemen. We do have all four horsemen. It's now Flair, Arn, Benoit and Mongo. Let's see where this goes. Uh, That'd be like having fucking Zack Ryder in the NWO. It's really odd. So Bischoff is now up at the entrance ramp and chatting about interruptions on recent nitros. Out come Hall and Nash. Still unnamed at this point, by the way. Bish says there will be a match at the bash. 
Hall and Nash confirmed they do not work for the WWF because of the whole lawsuit thing that was going on at this time. <laughs> Big Meng and a medium-sized Meng and our surprise buddy. And like, where's Meng? Which Meng have you got? <laughs> Meng, 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 Meng. <laughs> Meng was working for WCW at this time, by the way, Will. Oh, but, but like Haku. <laughs> so like, Haku. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so every time he's like, Big Meng, you're like, where? <laughs> hey, Meng. Yeah. What? No, no, not you. Meng, over what there. What do you mean, yeah, Scott? I'm over he's, here. Like, he's backstage. Yeah. Big Meng. Yeah. He's backstage, dickhead. It's, oh, I could do this all night. Is Scott Hall's accent just one of those things where he, he was doing that accent for so long that it just sort of became his normal voice, you think? Well, he, that, first promo he comes out you know you know who i am you know what you don't know why i'm here what i'm doing here or whatever you know when he comes out on nitro mm. he doesn't say meng once but then every promo afterwards he starts dropping them again yeah it's like he lost it and then regained it instantly <laughs> and then he loses it in a few weeks i think so yeah it's, it's, it's an odd one um hall wants to know who their three guys are they start getting in bischoff's face a little bit and bischoff will tell them tomorrow night on nitro and that's not the answer they want, because what happens? No, because they flew to fucking Baltimore to find <laughs> out. And what happens, Dax? Well, the outsiders accept it. Walk away, nothing happens. Oh, hang on. No, wait a minute. We get a massive jackknife powerbomb from Bischoff through the stage to a... I'm definitely not onto any form of padded surface whatsoever. Okay, um, Fabe, come and on. Bischoff, Bischoff just plummets through the stage. National Hall celebrate. And the all the EMTs and backstage medics all rush to Bischoff's aid. But the way they executed this, just the punch to Bischoff in his cell into his gut, followed by the jackknife, beautifully done. Now, Two years before Vince and Austin. Yeah, now this is this is a really like like I said again, this is this is like something straight out of the attitude era. This uh, this segment, and uh, to, to be fair, for Bischoff to take that uh, bump. Uh, the incredible trust he ha- had in Kevin Nash there, and to, and you know, even with the pad, that's a difficult landing to go backwards. You know, there's so much that can go wrong with that. So it's an incredible bump for Bischoff to have taken. Uh, I like the fact they sold it even during the entrances that come later as well. They're still checking on him. That they did, they did yeah. that very well. Uh, this, this is probably one of the best. I'd, I'd say this is probably the. This is where WCW needs to go to. Whereas the other stuff on the show, like you said, bringing in these NFL guys and things like that, that's where it needs to sort of move away from at this point uh, to achieve success. As much as I enjoyed that NFL match, surprisingly so, I think we both probably agree with you. Like Every single time they've done anything NWO involved on all these shows we've been watching, it's been the highlight by quite a long shot. Yeah. Occasionally there's a match, like, you know, like the Cruiserweight match on this or... Mm. Eddie and Flair previously, and there's there's one or two here and there that are really, really outstanding. But in terms of story and investment and everything, this NWO storyline's fucking brilliant, man. I think from a business standpoint as well. So people would have probably tried to buy the pay-per-view to find out what's happening with this. And the week leading up to this between Nitro and now Great American Bash, Gene's hotline must have been for the for the diehard fans must have been ringing off the hook to try and find out the rumors of who the three are going to be to go against them and every little piece of this story it's not rushed but it, you get development every single interaction that the nwo is on there yeah 
And every time they're on TV or on a pay-per-view, you get more ratings, you get more in pay-per-view buys. Like it's legitimately working. It's it's really interesting to see how much it's improving their product every week to week. Now, it's, it's not like they're overdoing it. It's just like single little segments like this. Well, you know, I've, I mean, how long have these guys been under contract now? And, and they still haven't had a big pay-per-view match. You know, they've, they've come up on this pay-per-view to cut a promo. And I don't even know if the promo was pre-advertised. So I, kudos to WCW there for taking their time instead of just, oh, we've got this exciting new wrestler and he's going to wrestle next week. And, you know, like taking their time with the debut as well, which is something you don't see so much anymore. Um, and no, it's good to see. I will say with the with the Bischoff thing, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about was that um, you guys have both seen enough NWO to know where it goes, right, in the future? Yeah. Yes, yes. So you know that Bischoff gets involved in the NWO and sides with them, and then they end up with like, you know, 30 people on the stage and Horace Hogan's and who are like, you know, of this world all joining the NWO. The Disciple, another exactly, great add-on. Yeah, the Booty Man. Virgil, the fourth man. <laughs> so this is the first time Bischoff kind of gets involved physically rather than just being a commentator and a backstage booker and such. And so it's like the beginning of where they go wrong almost. If you had the choice of not having this moment but having a Bischoff that didn't get involved or having this moment and getting what we got, like, is there a preference you would have here? Bischoff needed yeah. to be involved in this because you've got the main focal point being the owner of the company. And if you're going to have that storyline, which was essentially, you know, blue collar American worker against big corporate boss. I know like that's the whole thing for Steve Austin. I don't think there's anyone realistically who's like blue collar other than potentially how they portrayed Goldberg. They needed to have the authority figure and what better to have someone who as people get becoming smart, knew that Bischoff was in charge behind the scenes. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I do think he he adds more positives than he takes away, and I also think as well he as an on screen character he's very good as a sort of in that sort of heel authority figure role. He's very good at his job there. Um, and booking wise, you know, as as badly as it all went in the end, he is to the best of my knowledge the only. The only person who was who ever managed to do what WCW wanted, which was beat Vince in the ratings for uh, eighty three weeks, yep. you know. So <laughs> Vince Russo <laughs> definitely didn't fucking do it. So there no, we go. No. <laughs> so the other thing is, should this have been the main event segment? Nah. No. Always keep the belt. Yeah. You think this match following that is a good idea? This match following anything would have been shit. <laughs> I mean. It buries this match completely because in our main event of the evening is the World WCW World Heavyweight Championship match of the Giant, our current champion with known racers Jimmy Hart, versus two belt Lex Luger, dum da dum dum dum. Um, but as you say, like they're making their entrances and they're selling the fact that Bischoff's been put through the stage and the EMTs are still working on him to the point where Lex actually goes over and kind of kneels next to Bischoff's like, "Oh, are you okay, dude?" and all that sort of shit. <laughs> Uh, giant less so because you know he's the big heel monster but he still acknowledges the fact that bishop's there and so the story is not their match at all the story is that the nwo is coming and we've got something happening in four weeks at bash of the beach or whatever um and <sighs> there is a match <laughs> <laughs> uh so well if you haven't been following <laughs> on twitter uh as we all know uh, we have differing views on the skills of Lex Luger. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I I rate him tremendously. Yeah, I'm right, you're wrong, by the way, because he's utterly <laughs> shit. But yeah, go on. I think he has his moments. Um, I think. <laughs> late 80s, early 90s Luger oh! was a solid worker. Um, and Luger's selling got us a copyright <laughs> hit. Well, I, what great selling, you know, <laughs> the fact that. Oh, come on, Will. What are you uh, talking about? You're a good wrestler. I like you, <laughs> but you're fucking wrong. Come on. He, uh, he not in fairness, put into in the fairness. Like, he barely touches it and goes, Rah! it goes, oh, yeah. no. He literally says, oh, no. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You play to the back of the arena. You 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 make yourself as big and as loud as possible, and you play to the back Mate, of the arena. There has to be some logic to it, though. Like, if you get a fucking... Tap on the shoulder. You don't set it like you've died. Yeah. And then two seconds, you're up just running around like, oh, I can do clotheslines and shit. Nothing's wrong with me. It's yeah. funny you say that because um, I think one of the first training sessions I ever had, I, I a guy put me in a headlock and I started screaming and I started yelling and I started going, ah, my brain is being squeezed. I really, oh. Like Lex Luca. And Matt just went, yeah, you're only in a headlock. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I so so you relate to Lex is your problem. I do, yeah. Well, that, like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. There is a there is a match he has with Sting, and the opening minute is just this incredible sequence between him and Sting. No, it isn't. Shut up. No, no it isn't. Come and on. Terry Funk, Terry Funk, who is on commentary, <laughs> says when when they've hit their final move and Lucas rolled out the ring and Sting is firing up. Terry Funk says that is the most exciting start to a professional wrestling match I have ever seen. So, He's a lying piece of shit, that's why. <laughs> who are we to degree, disagree with a lovely old man like Terry Funk? That's what I want to say. I've got a podcast, <laughs> motherfucker. I disagree with you on. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to 2021 when all the wrestlers can suddenly completely reset their gimmick and you're going to have like Lex and Amy holding mirrors with Spooty Pyro yeah. as you come oh, out. Amazing. Well. <laughs> yeah, with, with, with my oh. body, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> the gimmick's solid. It's yeah. got to go. I mean, it, right. I am not I'm not a fan of Luger for his in-ring style, but Lex Luger is is the wrestler that gave me quite a lot of my my young WWF memories. Not only as I rabbit on about incessantly on this podcast, the slam on the USS Intrepid, but also his feud at you know at the WrestleMania at Caesars Palace where Luger and Perfect get into it in a backstage brawl after like HBK's been out there, and that's good. And Henning versus Luger in WWF, going back to watch it, was good because Kurt Henning dragged a match out of his ass for it. I, I think but, if he has the right opponent, he can turn. If he has the right opponent and he's motivated, he can turn <laughs> out a really. He can turn out. A so really if good someone match. else can organize <laughs> and sell, and if Luger can just stand there and not do anything, it's great. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So in this match specifically, Lex runs across the ring going, Giant puts his boot up. Lex runs into it and goes, oh, (laughs) that's the start of the match. Giant is too green to carry the match, even though I quite like his character, I'll be honest. Lex is a giant dum-dum. Lex puts a sleeper on the giant for an hour. (laughs) Jimmy Hart goes to hit Lex with the megaphone, but Sting runs that racist piece of shit to the back. Let's go, Sting. Uh, Lex does awful selling. They do wrestling. Lex tries to get the giant up in a torture rack, but falls forward because he's a fucking moron. <laughs> so the giant squashes giant squash. Sorry, the giant squashes Lex's giant head. 
Choke slam. One, two, three. Let's get the fuck out of here. What a fucking terrible match that was. Well, uh, you're wrong. Uh, that was. I, I love the ending as well. You know, <laughs> he try. He goes. He goes for that torture rack, and a lot like Icarus, his uh, waxy wings <laughs> burnt upon the sun as he collapses beneath the weight. His hubris is essentially what does him in, and that is why. Why, why did he fall forward? Wait, Phil. Why did he fall forward? <laughs> and also, what did Hugh Morris have to do with this? <laughs> the giant is across his shoulders, right? Yeah. Physics. He he should go backwards, saving his own head in the process, right? Well, you know, why why do everything? <laughs> but if he goes backwards, it, it could look too much like a Samoan drop, and therefore an offensive yeah. throwing the fans no, off. I get it. I get it. I just don't like it because Lex is shit. <laughs> I like I said. Um, <laughs> if I'm correct, the plan was to in the NWO storyline. I could have this wrong, but Luger's the red herring, isn't he? He's the one. Lots you're... of people are Re- really. We, yeah. This is one of the things we've been analysing as we've been watching these shows. Really, the red herring is Sting. Yeah. Sting confronts Scott Hall. Sting is the guy that's always around. Like he's in the main events where the NWO come in and they kind of interfere and not interfere necessarily, but they're always cutting their promos and stuff in Sting matches at the end of the shows. Yeah. So, although, do we think that? Because we know that Bishop originally thought Sting could have been the third man, so we've subconsciously put well, it together. Well, there's definitely a suggestion like, we- of Lex. I think. Oh yeah, I exactly. think like any good murder mystery, you have a red herring, and then you have like a slightly more subtle second red herring. So that yeah, Tenta. so like people <laughs> think, shark. well, it's obviously not going to be Sting. He's a red shark, and then they go to Luger. Yeah, <laughs> black and white shark and red and black shark. Yeah. The best kind. <laughs> Shark pack in the house. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not his best definitely work. definitely like, <laughs> there's been tension between Sting and Luger as well. So it's Luger kind of like, oh, fucking hell. There's so much terrible storytelling involved with Luger here, which I'm convinced he went oh, to Oh, did he write those zones. stories? No, he's just he, doing the best. I, I suspect he did. I suspect he did. Keep in mind, I hate Kevin Sullivan as well. So this is not helping your argument. Um, Lex at one point, what does he do? He elbows someone in the back of the head or something? And I, did he mean to do it? Did he not mean to do it or something? Tax? Is that what it, what it was? No, this was the thing with Jimmy Hart's megaphone at the at Slamboree, where him and Jimmy Hart are arguing over the megaphone, and miraculously, Jimmy Hart is still actually not. You know, it's a fair power struggle for the megaphone, and then finally Luger overpowers Jimmy Hart and swings it into Sting. If I'm correct, they turn Luger heel after Bash as well. We will find out. I think. I think so. And we're not going to get that. Oh, far, sorry. Not. 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 <laughs> sorry. Not great. This is the problem. There's a great American bash and bash. Oh, out bash the at the beach. beach. Yeah. Again, yeah. WCW with them bad naming of stuff. Yeah, it's not great, is it? There's quite a few people with similar names on these shows that we've gone through. They should all just be like hey, Gatto, Big or... Meng, the Little Meng, <laughs> a Meng. <laughs> all right. So we get like you know the end of kind of WCW pay per view title things like the movie titles. It's a bit weird. With the 80s MIDI synth, uh, we've taken to thanking someone at the end of every one of these credits. So thank you to WCW Interactive, Tom Hunt. Applause. Thank you. He is a proper hunt. Thank you, Tom. Love your work. <laughs> what do you think of the show, guys? I think from my, from my standpoint, the NWO se- segment continued the whole purpose of our, our run of shows here and is not often talked about 
in the importance of how this NWO build continued and started gain momentum. But as as Will mentioned earlier, the fact that you had the wrestlers then showing concern of the of Bischoff, an on screen character, not necessarily authority figure at this time, um, being you know involved, you know, it's got that hint of realism. But on top of that, you've got Regal and Sting, and you've got Malenko and Mysterio. Plus, let's be honest, opening tag match between Electricity, Fire and Ice was really good. I think up until, uh, and again, and the, the, the NFL boys match, I think overall, really, really good show, just ruined by an absolute drossy main event. Yeah, I think over. I mean, this match has this show. Sorry, has two of my all-time favorites on it. It has the Sting Regal match, the Mysterio Malenko match. Um, if you put, I really thought you were going with Luger. <laughs> it's got two of my absolute favorites. Sting was there, and Luger was there. Don't too. you dare! Uh, but the like I said, the main event isn't great, but it's mercifully it's only t- it's mercifully short. Um, the the segment with the NWO is very good. Um, the tag match is serviceable, and yeah. Oh, if you put it to all side, I think the the sort of falls count anywhere match is also very good. Um, if you put aside all the unpleasantness, so yeah, I think it's a pretty fairly solid show, all in all. Um, yeah, not not an absolute classic, but it's got two matches that are absolute classics. So yeah, very good. Yeah, I agree with you boys. Um, that. NFL match with the Horsemen. Holy crap, that surprised me so much. I was convinced that 90% of this podcast would be us ripping on that particular match and with those guys, specifically the NFL guys. But they they really pulled it out their asses. Like I highly recommend this show. Out of all the pay-per-views we've watched, not just WCW ones, but every pay-per-view we've watched in this podcast, this is probably one of my favorites. I loved it. Top to toe. There's a few lulls, a few shitty promos in here, but they're generally quite funny. Um, the main event is bollocks. <laughs> you can skip it. As soon as you get to the NWO stuff, you're like, yeah, that that's it. That's the end of the show, pretty much. And as you said, a Regal and Sting, I think, is maybe one of the best matches I've ever seen. I absolutely fucking love that match. And um, yeah, finally seeing Rey Mysterio in WCW ring for the first time was an absolute joy. Um, yeah, this is an easy four cornflakes for me. I would agree with the cornflake rating. It's a four from me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't really do star ratings, but yeah, I do. That's why we do cornflake ratings. We don't just rip off Meltzer here. All right, cool. So, yeah. Anything else you guys want to throw in before we end this? It's really starting to build momentum of the NWO now. That's the intrigue. They've had their NFL angle. They've had Mongo join the horseman so you've now got like we mentioned in the early earlier part of the series you had stories that were lingering because they they were waiting to get to this point they've now had their payoffs machos back on nitro next week because they oh, announced yeah. during the show as well I'm looking we forward to seeing cover. some macho that's gonna be fun but now we're heading in to bash at the beach and we've got a number of new stories developing and involving. We've still got the same similar thing with Malenko of the Cruiser and Conan with the US belt that they're just taking on international challenges, but that's going to start broadening the talent pool that we see so we don't have to have Sharky and Bubba cutting each other's pubes off. Yeah. The the first Slamboree, the paper we watched, was terrible. 
But then there was like three weeks of Nitro that were awesomely fun, like really good developments every week, funny storylines, funny vignettes, really kind of pod-worthy stuff. And then we've had a couple of weeks where it kind of tailed off and this pay-per-view has gone back up in my estimation. So I'm really, really hoping that we get a similar sort of thing where we get a couple of Nitros that are really, really kind of pod-worthy and have got interesting stuff happening and that they don't go back to none of it has any logic. It's just to hear some big guys doing some fucking spot matches, you know. Um, and I really want to hope we get a build to the bash because I don't can't think of anything immediately that happens between now and the bash, like Bischoff going through the stage, Scott Hall debuting, Kevin Nash debuting, you know, look at the adjective, et cetera, et cetera. I can't, I can't think of any other moments that happen in this time period. So I'm really interested to see how it develops leading into Bash at the Beach. I'm hoping we get teasers of their third man. And also, it's going to be interesting because, like you mentioned earlier, we've had this set thing of commentary teams. But as we know from the iconic moment when we get to the bash, Heenan's on commentary on pay-per-view. So are we going to actually start transitioning to a three-man booth for the whole oh, run? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? I would miss uh, Zabisco. Zabisco's been hilarious. But if we're going to take out Bischoff, then yeah, great. I'll go with that. Those three would be really, really good. But I've got a horrible feeling we get Mongo on commentary, don't we? Yeah, I think he did do oh, a bit of commentary. Fuck. <laughs> oh, hopefully it's not before Bash because we're not we're only w- watching up until Bash. Yeah. How about you, Will? How are you enjoying your NWO build up until this point with this show? Uh, yeah, this like I said, um, WCW. I I've watched a lot of matches, but I've not watched a lot of shows end to end for obvious reasons, really. Um, and I, I must say, I, I I pleasantly enjoyed this. Uh, I think they're building to something pretty good down the line, as we I as we all know. I have watched the uh, the Bash at the Beach. Um, because again, I thought, well, I have to see this WCW pay per view, uh, mm. and uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's all slowly coming together, and the 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 not just the NWO thing, the cruiserweights, the uh, the, the and like I said, like if you compare the WWF locker room at this time to the WCW locker room in terms of workers, I think WCW does have the edge as well, in, t- in terms of guys Definitely. who can really go in the ring, um, you know. I, I think, yeah, it's all it's all coming together. <laughs> well, you can find all of our podcasts and all this series that we've been doing with the formation of the NWA over at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. I am at FanboyRich on Twitter. How about yourself, Tex? I am at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And make sure you follow our good friends at Pro Wrestling All-Stars in Belgium at PW underscore All-Stars. As on Powered 4 TV, there's going to be a classic event from Soul Survivor 3 heading to a streaming platform near you soon. Will? Uh, I'm at Viva Will Power on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Will underscore Power underscore SEPW. Formerly, my... It was photos of my wrestling exploits. Uh, currently, it's just filled with various portraits that I've been doing of people. But <laughs> awesome, <laughs> you did ours as well. Yeah. So, um, if you like art and wrestling, check out uh, my Instagram, please. Thank you, Will, for joining us, mate. I really, really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Been a pleasure. Love the show. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg.
We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute.